Welcome everyone to the third annual Best Picture Awards. We uh, we we debated not having any host this year, um, but then we realized this is a podcast, and yeah. the only part was having hosts. So That's I am not your really host. Work. I am your host. Well, I guess Cody we could Lonsford. all be we could all be guests. Um. <laughs> okay, fine. We're all guests. <laughs> I, I think am, that this I, is more of like me and Chad are Tina and Amy and Cody is Ricky Gervais kind of thing. Okay, fuck off. <laughs> can I be Ricky Gervais? You can be Ricky why Gervais. Me why and Cody can be, be Tina and, why, and Amy. Why can't we be Some Tina? Some people actually still be... believe in stupid fairy tales. Okay, why can't Gold we be... Gold is not real. Shut up. Can we be <laughs> Tina, Amy, and Maya? Mm, like, that's a good call, except Maya's never hosted. That's how they introed the Oscars last time? Sure. Yeah. Can, okay. I be, yeah. okay. can I be Maya? We're not going to assign people. Um, but, can I, but can I be Maya? I'm Tina. <sighs> Whatever. Okay, you're so Amy. that's perfect. Uh, I get to be married to Paul Thomas Anderson. That's why you wanted it. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I want to have sex um, with Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay, so God, <laughs> this is a disaster. So this is this is our award show. It's great. It's really polished. Um, the thing is, we did prepare a lot for this. We just uh, this intro. I am Cody Lunsford. I am your first host um, guest. And I am joined by, I'm I'm the second guest, uh, Chad Oliver, and I'm I'm the third host, Mark. <laughs> right, <laughs> we're all host guests. Um, so the way that Best Pictures normally works is we pick our favorite movies from every year we've been alive. We are looking in the distant past to kind of analyze movies once they've had time to settle, but we're young. We like mm. to keep things hip and new, too. So we, yeah. every year, look at the recent past of the year. And, you know, w- w- our show is often in conversation with the Oscars. Did they pick yeah. the right best picture? Um, and, and the so Oscars this is- just happened, right? The Oscars were yesterday, <laughs> if you're listening to this today, that this was released. So uh-huh. we're going to be and having we're definitely some... Gonna have we're going to have, have some feedback what one? about I mean, what one. Already, well, I mean, one thing I can say uh, is our nominations. No one nominated Joker for anything, right? <laughs> yep. And Correct. Joker got nominated for the most Oscars. So already we're off to a good start of <laughs> right. like, differentiating ourselves from the prestigious award. Right. Well, so I'm going to sound like a dumbass if this is completely different once the Oscars actually air. But, I mean... The acting categories are pretty much sewn up, so we kind of know those at least going in. We have a pretty good idea. I always of... think I do, and then there's always at least one surprise. It's like, oh, I, it went to this person. Okay. I think director and picture are still in question. I think mm-hmm. screenplays are pretty sewn up, and I think actor is pretty sewn up. So we have idea, and we could be shocked. Shocks are always good. Yeah. Um. So. Um, now here's Billie Eilish singing our intro song. We're the movie guys. We make podcasts about movies and we talk about movies. We're the movie guys. Thanks, Billy. Thanks, Billy. <laughs> okay, get off the stage. Um, uh, <laughs> Jesus. I just I can't I, believe we got Billie Eilish to be on the podcast. I know. Yeah, it's that incredible. was really special. And she I, even changed her lyrics for us, and they completely work with the melody and rhythm of the song. That is right. the best $500,000 we've ever spent. 
Absolutely. On this podcast. Um, anyway, give to our Patreon. That totally exists. And we've right. already raised $500,000. In debt. Um, I really want to speculate on what Billy is actually going to do at the Oscars, but it I, is going I to heard seem on the radio, dumb that it's going to be the day after. I heard on the radio that, like, and this is going to be dumb content, and let's move past it, but I did hear that it's going to be the Bond song. See, I don't think it is. I, don't I really don't think it is. The I think person she's on NPR was speaking with like certainty, not speculation. They were saying like, and she will be, rec- a- and she will be performing the James Bond song. Like that was like it was just a matter. I just of feel fact. like they've never like debuted a song on the Oscars. The Oscars exactly. are about the the movies that have happened yeah. already, right? And debuting a song that will likely get nominated and potentially win next right. year, so she will perform it again at next year's ceremony. May- I think I mean, she's maybe doing they're the just that proud of it. I think Maybe. she's going to sing Bad Guy and Joker is going to dance on the stairs. <laughs> okay, that was my joke on Twitter. That you was didn't it? even favorite. You it's because fucker. I, no joke, did not see it. So I did not even steal it from you. I, I hey, said, Cody, Cody, it's a good joke. And I did not see it on Twitter either. Cody, I, if I had seen it on Twitter, I would have faved it. I'm actually going to look for it right now. The, the the exact content was because it was the announcement that she was performing, and I said she will be singing "Bad Guy" as the footage of the Joker dancing on the stairs plays. It's part of the Oscars' new Meme for Teens initiative. Mm. That was the joke. Yeah, I didn't like, see that one. I just gave it a fave though. Yeah, not bad. Um, uh, yeah, not bad. all right. To be clear, Memes the difference teens. was that I think that Joaquin Phoenix will actually be dancing on the stairs <laughs> that like lead up to the stage. Well, he would, but probably halfway through he'll just leave. And everybody will clap and say, wow, being difficult, that's, that's how you know you're a great actor. Um, have you guys... Okay, so Chad went to this last year. We really need to actually get into the noms. but We, we should. <laughs> but Chad went to the makeup um, and hairstyling kind yeah. of like talk last year where they it's talked fun. about... Um, was it last year or the year before? It was Wonder and Darkest Hour. That's what it was. No, it was okay. year before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh, um, that was... It's been a minute. Um, time! But Can we talk about the concept of time? Let's not. No, we genuinely so, do not have enough time. <laughs> so, <laughs> when you went to that, they, the makeup artist and the hairstylist like, kind of talked about the challenges and what they did, etc. So when they did that this year, the Joker people, their whole narrative was like, yeah, it was pretty hard because walking just kept fucking walking off. And it's like, okay, but that's not... That's not a judge of whether the makeup and hairstyling is good. That just means you had a it's, difficult work environment. Yeah. It's like a, a tribute to their um, tenacity. But not right, their but if we're going to nominate... win because of that, though. If we're going to give Bohemian Rhapsody a producing award because their director uh-huh. kept walking off, you got to yeah. give the makeup people an award Editing because award. they're... Because they didn't get the producer because producer's no, I, best picture. I think that they... They won at the PGAs. That's what you're thinking of. Yeah. That's what I meant. Right. Yep. yep, yep I right. was horrified they were going to win uh, best picture. And, but then yeah, it went to a better option. Well, speaking of best picture, let's get into the nomination. Let's get into it. Yeah. So we have categories. Um, these first couple categories, we are not going to vote on to find a winner, a winner, because we're just kind of talking them out. But then things hmm. will get really hot and heavy. <laughs> I don't know how to, else to phrase it. Oh, not and, that way. Yeah. Can I put and like we, a sound effect, like an oh yeah? Do whatever you want. Okay, um, cool. and we will duke out and try and figure out the absolute winner later. But we're gonna start. 
with hidden gems. Our hidden gems of the year, movies we thought that not enough people saw. Now, these hidden gems, are they cut? Shut up. Talk about yours before I punch you. Uh, okay, so one, I wouldn't necessarily call it a hidden gem, but it's basically we decided it was ineligible for any of the awards, so I'm going to talk about it here. Um, and yep. it is the TV movie made for Netflix, El Camino, uh, the Breaking Bad movie. Um, yeah, I thought this movie, I, I would have nominated it for a lot, honestly. Uh, I thought it was pretty masterfully done. It's a really good sequel it also mm. is like a story that while you need the like background information of like what who these characters are and what happened to a degree i think there's something to take out of it if you've never seen breaking bad but you probably wouldn't have near as good a time um no. but while there is that stuff it is truly like its own story um some incredible performances out of aaron paul um Jesse, Jesse Plemons, Plemons is incredible in it. He gives this like mm-hmm. Plemons is we're we're gonna look back at Plemons as like why didn't he ever get a, an Academy Award like in a few not not like anytime soon but I I, I feel like he's well, gone under the radar and he'll continue. I think he will. Radar. Either that or he will get an award. Yeah, it's, I yeah. think <laughs> like, <laughs> one I, of those I, two things will happen. I'm pretty positive he'll get something. He's gonna get something. 10 years too late and it's going to be for like a dumb performance and Mm -hmm. we're going to be like, he should have gotten his award for whatever back in the day. Um, that's, that's my prediction for him. But anyways, uh, yeah, I have nothing to say with this movie other than it's great. Uh, Mark hasn't seen all the breaking bad, so I'm going to avoid anything too plot related, but, uh, right. Yeah. This was like one of my favorites of the year. It was just so good to have new breaking bad content. Um, Mm -hmm. and and better call Saul starts pretty soon. It does. I'm, I'm I, uh, super pumped I, about that. I I also was a big fan of this movie. I thought it was incredibly well done. It, I don't know. It had some like Breaking Bad was always kind of a neo western of sorts. Um, yeah, this one leans into that a lot. Leans into it a lot, where there's like direct like western tropes in it, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's move on to Mark. You want to ping pong these? Because uh, yeah. Chad only had one. We yeah. each have three, yeah. so we we probably should ping pong. So I'm going to start with the Nightingale. This is a movie that Mark and I actually watched together in a theater um, at the Sidewalk Film Festival. Um, it is an Australian film from the director of The Babadook. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about like kind of Australia back in its kind of wild west days of sorts it's like the the colonial penal colony australia kind of thing right it's it's an incredibly difficult movie to watch it's very bleak i mean very bleak it's about this woman that got like sexually assaulted and as her husband and child were murdered in front of her yes and then it's about her getting revenge and just walking all the way across australia now Yeah. yeah yeah yes it's it's very very good. Just missed the top ten of my year. I think it's like twelve for me or something. Um, and yeah, incredibly bleak, but it still was so masterfully done that it's it's a gripping watch the whole way through. And it really, I don't know. I am somebody who I like. <laughs> I like learning things, right? And this was a period of time or story that I had never seen before. And so, like, kind of learning about this era and time frame was pretty exciting for me. 
Really enjoyed it. Yeah, Mark. it's it's really good. Talks a lot about Aborigines as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and kind of their interaction with the with the colonial Australians. Um, my yep. first hidden gem is One Cut of the Dead, which was my number one movie for you know a long portion of this year. So it's a cut gem. This is Shut this this gem has been cut once and only yeah. once. Um, the the plot of this movie is, um, part of it is, you know, a, a one take zombie movie, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. part of it is like the making of that one take zombie movie. Um, right. and that yeah. might even be a spoiler, but it yeah, is, I think it probably is. Okay, I, think, well, I mean the, it is, but it's been out for a year. Yeah, like, the the way to watch it is to know nothing about it, kind mm-hmm. of. But yeah, Cody, you saw this, right? We all saw it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, it's, I, it's, it's interesting because, you know, the, the zombie movie is, you know, mildly interesting on its own, but then after that to zoom out and see the, you know, the, the effort and the emotion and the, you know, the work that went into making that one cut movie happen makes mm-hmm. the, the, the first half of the movie just so much better. And, um, it kind of like puts it in a new context. And, and to me, it's just about the the struggle that goes into making a movie um, and, yeah. and the joy and, of, of success and the, the familiness of working together to do something like that. And to mm-hmm. me, that's definitely the strength of the movie is the second half. Um, the first half, like honestly, when I got through the first half of the movie, I was like mad that you made me watch it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's but like the recontextualization fair. of everything. Um, yeah. Just like, it was like, Oh shoot. Okay. I see. Yeah. Right. It, it it's one of those weird movies that like wins you back, which is like yeah. hard to do when you're like literally fifty percent through a movie and you're mm-hmm. kind of not having a good time. For for me, it, anyways, uh, it but didn't it, it does. fully it, win me back. No, is, is the thing. I, I I think it. I think it is a movie I'm more interested in and respect than enjoy. If that makes sense, that's fair. Um, that that does, and I kind of think I'm in a similar ballpark. Right. Also, context is king, always. Mark, you saw this at a film festival, yes, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I saw it just at my house. Like, I think it's just a much different and experience for that type of movie. That type of movie is, like, yeah. very much, like, would play really well in a film festival or a theater or something like that. Do you remember how uh, how I saw it? <laughs> On an On airplane? On a plane, right? Yeah. yeah, it was when Delta was the only place streaming it, so I had to watch it on my in-flight. <laughs> Right, that's right. <laughs> it it's like, now it, hey, it's, it's now streaming on Shutter, I think. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, it's a bit easier to watch now. I literally um, took a flight just to watch this damn movie. <laughs> right. Um, speaking of things that are easy to watch, my second hidden gem is Wild Rose, which is easily available on Hulu now. Yeah. Um, this is Jesse Buckley, who is a star on the rise, and um, also an acting nominee. Or and also an acting pickies. nominee later mm-hmm. on. Um, she is also also plays the queen in Doolittle, so we'll see if she gets a nomination next year. Um, was nope. she good? Was she good in that? <laughs> Nothing is anything in that. Is the problem. <laughs> um, but uh, Jesse Buckley is also in the new Bond movie. So, um, oh, I don't think I knew that. Cool. Yep, um, it's her, Anna De Armas, Lashana Lynch, and then Bond and wow. Paddington. And Voldemort. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Um, so, yeah, Wild Rose is about one of my favorite things, country music. Um, and 
it's it's about somebody from um, Glasgow trying to make a career out of country mm-hmm. music after getting getting out of prison and um, just just having kind of a tough time and kind of living a life and then ultimately kind of finding success and making music through it. I just I found her performance so good and kind of revelatory it also has a casey musgraves cameo um yeah like really out of focus and and in the back it's like yeah yeah yeah. but it is her (laughs) yeah um and then mary steenbergen wrote the main song um it's uh yeah and and the the original song at the end of this movie is really good um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah um i'm not gonna say a ton more because it shows up later yeah. I think the most Let's... interesting thing about this movie is how untraditional of a main character it is. It's not like, you know, someone yes. who is like deep down a good person and has to like learn to accept herself. It's mm-hmm. like she is completely focused on this one thing and like, you know, she has kids and she mm-hmm. basically like admits to not wanting to have kids and right. like just leaves them with her mom, you know, right. is and that's never like presented as a good thing right or a bad thing really right um, it it's, just it's, is presented kind of as is i don't know it, it's like sort of the stereotypical like music movie we've seen before but i just think that it's done very well and her mom is played by julie walters who is miss weasley and she's yeah. very very good in it Mark, your second. Um, my second Chain for Life uh, is called Chain for Life. I don't know if you can stream this movie anywhere. Um, this is another one that I saw at a festival. But it's really interesting and thought-provoking. It's about, you know, it's about, the, again, a, about the making of a movie. Oh. And, and the movie is stars. Uh, I mean, the movie is about people with, you know, disfigurements. And mm-hmm. it's basically like, you know, that, that, that Freaks movie? From yep. like a long time ago. It's like similar to like that, the, the movie that they're making. Got it's, it. it's like, you know, it's like kind of sympathetic to, you know, people with deformities. But, you know, it's mostly about the the set of that movie and how, you know, all of the people making that movie are still kind of mean to these people and kind of mm-hmm. treat them as, as weirdos. And then, you know, a part of the movie is also about those people just deciding to make their own movie. And, and it, you know, it's just, it talks a lot about how important it is for people to tell their own story um, mm. and to, to kind of like, because it's important to hear stories about other kinds of people, but it's more important to hear honest stories from those kinds of people about their own experience. Right. Um, Interesting. I've been wanting to watch this. Yeah. It's just been I, tracking it down. That's been difficult. I don't for me. know if you can watch it anywhere, um, which is why so, it's hidden. Right. Um, my next hidden gem, I'm not going to talk about, uh, long at all um, because it shows up later. Um, it's I Lost My Body. It's an animated yeah. film from France that showed up on Netflix and I don't know that it really counts as a hidden gem anymore when it was nominated for Best Animated Film at the Oscars and mm-hmm. won the Annie Awards. But when I first put it down here, not a lot of people had seen it. It's, so. uh, it's about a hand. It's about a hand. We'll talk about it later. Mark, your final hidden gem. Um, my final hidden gem is another one that you can't stream anywhere. And I think you can, it just recently was released on VOD. Um, okay. So, you know, is it technically a 2019 movie? That's for you to decide. Um, but it's called After Midnight. And it is, a, it's about this guy who 
He's Ethan Hawke and then Julie Delpy. No, no, that's before. And Midnight. they're in the this afterlife. Is, this is the sequel. Um, right, they're no, in the it, afterlife. It, it's the it, this actually good sounds really it, good. It's about <laughs> a guy whose whose girlfriend broke up with him, so he's like depressed and living in this big house. And then every night, and a monster comes and attacks the house. It's not Ethan what? Hawke. It's Jeremy Gardner. Um, what comes and attacks the house? A monster. Cool. Yeah, I'm it's in. Pretty cool. It's a, it's, yeah. like awesome. a mon- it's like a monster movie romance breakup mm. movie kind of thing. It's gotcha. really good. Mm. It has one of my favorite, like really long takes that is just like them talking in uh, just in their house. Um, That's really cool. But it's really great. Um, check it out. So now we are moving on to yeah the next category. So I mean we talk is- a lot about. Oh, no, uh, you, you go ahead and do the intro, and then, and then yeah. I'll ask my question. Yeah, let let me yeah. do my fucking job. Hey, we're we're all <laughs> co-guests here. Um, so now we are moving to the me- the next category. We normally talk about movies on this podcast, but sometimes there are television programs that we find as powerful as movies, mm. and we don't really have uh we don't really have the outlet to talk about them on normal episodes so now we're just we're just going to give you a little taste of the tv shows that we liked um from the year and we'll do round robin style starting with chad so you want me to just run through all of mine or just no no no, do your first one 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 one. okay um so I'll, i'll keep this brief um barry season two is incredible um really as a whole barry has just been really awesome bill Hader has really impressed me uh as like a dramatic but also very very funny actor because uh, that's the thing about the show is it, it like has that like tension of like being very funny and really intense at the same time um and yeah this season has what is probably what is my favorite episode of television ever um and it's just like right in the middle of the season it's just this mm. crazy break from normal structure uh and story and it just tells this like it i, I won't get too much into it because it is just like too it, it, it's too spoilery to talk about it too much because like it mm-hmm. changes everything in that season up until that point just in this random middle episode that just is essentially its own separated short film it's insane mm-hmm. uh and it's really really good and it's directed by bill Hader, and i can't wait to see what else he directs uh coming up Exciting. I Barry is on my list. I'm going to get to it soon. Um, I think it's the only show on this list that I haven't watched. So, um, wow. yeah, I'll get to it. Uh, okay, I haven't finished one of Mark's shows, but I started it. Um, okay, so my first and kind of my number one with a bullet is Watchmen. Um, I think, th- <laughs> which I was saying he thought uh, Barry had the best episode of TV ever made. I think maybe three or four of the best TV episodes ever made are in this Watchmen season. It is. Man, we are I mean, starting out with very, some high praise. Yeah. It's, no, it's a I, very. I, I just want to say that I think one of the best, you know, this has at, at least one of the best episodes ever made. Yeah. Um, and we're probably thinking of the same episode, Mark, of the one that's kind of inarguable. It's like the, the penultimate episode. Uh, the one where you find out about the past. Yeah. The second yeah. to last episode. Um, so basically, Watchmen like is a sequel to the graphic novel, 
but is at the same time retelling elements of the graphic novel while at the same time making it modern and about modern issues while at the same time being its own incredible standalone season. Like there, there is a possibility for a season two, right? But it is not a high possibility right now. And that is fine. I mean, it is one finite beautiful uh, piece it's kind of off the table for the foreseeable future because Lindelof said he's not doing it and HBO is kind of respecting his wishes right they'll come back to this well eventually but it's for now it's off the table I don't think there should Um, be a second season for a long time just like there wasn't a a sequel like a real sequel for a long time right I I, I think like if we do Watchmen again in 10 years that will be fine sure Um, I mean or longer I'm fine with waiting another 30 years Right. Um, but I, I, I think it's incredible. I think every performer in it is so good. I think it's, I don't know, Lindelof is my favorite TV writer. So, like, it's right up my alley. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're it's about superheroes. You're big Lost and uh, Leftovers. I think Leftovers is Leftovers. one of the best TV shows ever made. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's Watchmen. Uh, Chad, watch it. <laughs> I I need to I need to watch that leftovers because uh, I only watched the first season of leftovers I need to watch the rest of that. Well, my um, first pick is a show that yeah. we finally convinced Chad to watch Succession. Um, although right. I don't know if yeah, and I am slowly getting through it because it's not my favorite because I don't like the people. <laughs> yes, these are <laughs> bad people. But you, I mean, what, what's what's people? Sorry, when people talk about The Sopranos, they talk about how. The first season was crazy because it's like, you know, a a type of person you know about and have seen movies about, but it's humanizing them in a way that you're like almost cheering for them to like be successful mob bosses. This is the same way where it's like, you know, we know that corporate executives and, you know, people who run, you know, corrupt media businesses are bad people. And we know that these are bad people. But at the same time, like we look, we look behind the curtain and see their family dynamics and really relate to them. Um, and, and the second season, which is the one from this year, is just phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just taking these characters to places and, and you know, putting them in situations that uh, is is incredible and makes you cheer for them while you're secretly hoping for their demise. Right. Um, it's it's such a such a great show. It's also so funny. It's written yeah. by one of the guys from uh, the 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 Veep. You know, Veep mm-hmm. is kind of a spinoff of this movie and TV show. And one of the writers of that is the showrunner of this. Um, right. it, it's in the thick. I right. just remember that. Right, right, right. Um, really, really good, and just the sharpest comedic writing with with characters that you hate and love at the same time. No, I love it. I, I, I don't really uh, have much more to add. I like uh, Roman. Is that his name? I like him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Roman's great. He's 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 a little shit weasel. Yeah, um, I like the shit weasels in shows like this. Like uh, yes. Pete from Mad Men, I, I liked just because mm-hmm. I liked mm-hmm. I liked exactly. when he got punched. Yeah, uh, and also you know Shiv in this is like you know the daughter who gets disrespected and kind of is out of the family, not out of the family, but isn't part of the business. Um, but you know, the show is all about these people just like fighting for their dad's love mm-hmm. when their dad is like a bad person right. and they, they also know that their dad is abusive to all of them. So they're kind of like defending each other from their dad while also fighting each other for their dad's love. It's, right. it's incredible. 
um, watch it. Yeah. I agree. Um, let's go faster so, through the rest of these. Chad. Yeah, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson uh, is probably the best sketch comedy I've ever seen. It's so weird. It's so rewatchable. It's so bite-sized mm-hmm. and just delightful. Um, yeah, this it's the most bizarre TV show I think I've ever seen, and I don't think I've laughed harder at sketch comedy in my entire life. Um, that that wasn't a dig at sketch comedy, by the way. I kind of read like one. Uh, no, it's, no, no, it's it, it's solid. It's really funny. I have been watching through some Key and Pill recently, and it feels very similar yeah. to that. Key and Pill gets pretty fucking weird and stuff too. Yeah. Um, but like, this is the show what, I've recommended to a lot of people mm-hmm. once I actually went in and watched it myself. What strikes me about this show is the structure of these sketches never makes any sense. Like some of them follow the same structure where it's like it builds to something and then there's a twist and then it plays with that. But like there's no rhyme or reason to like there's not no one right way to do. And I think you should leave sketch. And I think that's what makes right. it, it keeps you on your toes a bit. Like it's like. Are they just going to dive headfirst into this concept, or are they just going to totally 180 and uh, do something else? Well, I mean, the theme of the show is kind of insistence, so it's kind of like <laughs> the refusal to look bad and just like doubling down. Like that—that's the yes. premise of basically every sketch, but yeah. they do it in like different, unique ways. I mean. I, I remember the first time I watched this, I, I pulled it up on the iPad before bed. I didn't really think Laura would be interested in it, so I was going to watch it by myself. And that opening sketch where he uh, opens the door the wrong way door. and then just insists that it's like, no, it does both, and he pulls it off the right. hinges. I was crying laughing at this, and then Laura was like, very what funny. are you watching? So I took the headphones off and we watched together, and it was beautiful. Yeah, it's it's kind of a good tone setter. Um, yeah, totally. All right, so my next pick is comes from a galaxy far far away and it is the mandalorian um baby yoda good show the baby is a phenomena it's it it is a kind of throwback to the incredible hulk style 70s shows of where like there's a he rolls into a town one week deals with something rolls out of town Mm um it's short and like to the point and it's star wars and it's got a lot of fun cameos it's got a lot of fun world building but at the same time is so digestible Mm -hmm. i have missed tv like this i have missed streaming shows being something that i could actually talk about with all of my friends it being released weekly like having watchmen and mandalorian release Mm -hmm. weekly was fucking incredible for me and talking to people in, in succession as well and um, succession yes was, was weekly and yeah so, what, what so I, I loved doing that with people what i love about the mandalorian uh is that it doesn't like tie itself to like a network standard runtime so like if it mm-hmm. needs just 28 minutes to tell a story it'll just take 28 minutes if it needs a full 45 yep. it'll take a full 45 and i really hope that this like trend continues beyond just the mandalorian and like it it's sort of shown up in netflix shows but like typically on netflix it's just because they want to make episodes longer for no real reason right um, it's like we'll it's be seemingly... 45 to 120 we won't be any shorter <laughs> right but it's like no the episode demands 20 minutes why waste time uh right. with filler crap uh right. and yeah i really hope that that trend picks up yeah uh mark um my Next. second pick is chernobyl another hbo show that was also released weekly although i th- think i mostly watched it just binge um, Me too. It's like a historical, you know, not a documentary, but it's it's all, you know, well, 
for the most part, all all historical. But it's you know you know about Chernobyl as an explosion, but you don't know about all of the cover up that they tried to do and all of the you know kind of brushing it under the rug and then all of the investigating that had to happen there. It's really good. It's extremely bleak um, mm-hmm. because famously everyone died. Um, right. But it's it's all. I mean, I think the the most interesting part about it is is just the way that the corrupt bureaucracy just kind of like tried their best to ignore what caused it ignore the fact that it happened and and you know just try to to keep looking good by brushing it under the rug and and then these people just just trying their best to get the the truth out there right it also stars jesse buckley from wild rose yes um she's in it uh chad your next one yeah, so my final one is The Righteous Gemstones. It's this new show on HBO about this family of televangelists, and they are a little nutty. Um, yeah, it's just a really special show, and I did not expect to be like emotionally moved by it. Uh, but then that finale happened, and I actually was. Uh, these are insane characters that no one should like, and it f- finds a way to like make you like them while just being outrageously funny. Uh, the whole time because it's it's a comedy mm-hmm. show. It's it's really good. Right. Uh, yeah, I love it. I think I had a pretty good time with it, but I don't love it as much as you do. But I I, I have a fun time with it. Um, yeah. My next is Ducktales. Ducktales continues to be Loki, one of the uh, best shows on TV. It's with really an overarching narrative. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the thing is, it is. It takes a minute to convince you that it is because it seems very standalone and standard kind of mm. kids programming. But then you get into the Shadow War and um, the Moonvasion and all of that stuff, and it becomes a bit more. Uh, bit more like you can grasp onto it and yeah. emotional stakes really come into play and uh i don't know it's, and again, it's, it's phenomenal just, it's just and funny it's funny too yeah <laughs> donald the duck com- never gonna be mad at him no um okay can't understand and, the guy but uh but he gets angry and it makes me happy <laughs> yep uh mark your final final pick my final pick is Fleabag, just rounding out the list of Emmy winners that I've I've picked for my uh, <laughs> yeah my pickies. Mark um, has Fleabag aligned himself is... <laughs> with what wins awards. Yes, I really did the most research here. Although to be fair, I watched all of these before the Emmys, um, right. yeah. except Fleabag. And, I watched like the weekend of the Emmys, but and Fleabag Emmys, is like a masterpiece. Straight Fleabag up. is is so great. The first season. And the second season as well. I mean, they're like six 30-minute episodes. They're like the length of Iron of the Irishman each. Um, mm-hmm. So really easy. I mean, I watched I watched the first season in one sitting, and I watched the second season like really, really quickly in two sittings. Um, mm-hmm. And they're just so great. It's also it's an, another show that's so funny, um, yes. but also like really, really gets into some really emotional, you know, stories of of you know. Um, believing, in, I mean, not believing in yourself, but like learning to accept things about yourself and forgive yourself mm-hmm. for certain things that you've done in the past. Um, yeah. And uh, being able to to deal with obstacles that are, are there, but are there for healthy reasons. Um, right. Yeah. It's so good and so funny. I'm and on the third. 
Yeah, I have not gotten a hot priest yet. I'm on the. I had just finished the second episode of yep. season one, so I will Kuni be done Yaga. with it very shortly. The, the cool. I will say that with season one, the first two episodes seem kind of standalone, and uh-huh. then they kind of start tying together a lot more in the second half. And in the second season, everything is just tied together. Cool. Yeah, and the first episode um, of the second season is like, it's it's one of the best episodes of the year too. It's, it's so just great. Like, yeah, yeah. All right, now we are going to get into the um, the movie the section of our the nitty gritty where we're going to vote and actually figure out who is the best of the year. Um, we are going to start with best voiceover motion capture performance. Um, each one of us will talk about our noms if we've got individualized noms, and then we'll talk about the. Um, the performances that got multiple nominations. Yeah. So um, I'm going to start. My first nomination is for Tessa Thompson in Lady and the Tramp, a movie that not a lot of people watched, but Disney Plus launched. And I have close to watched almost everything on that platform. And Lady and the Tramp, I definitely watched. And I think Tessa Thompson um, did really well as this fluffy haired dog. Okay, pause. Um, when you say everything yeah, on that pause. platform, do you P-A-W-S. mean. Do you mean- yeah, P-A-W-S. Uh, do you mean every new thing or do you mean everything on that platform? I mean, at some point it will become... No, it won't be everything on the platform because they have, like, baby shows. But it will be a lot of things on the platform. No, most new things. Got I haven't it. watched okay. every single new thing, but most new things I've watched. Okay. Cody, you get so upset when I call animated movies baby shows, but then you just said it? Wow. No, no, no. Animated shows Cody, are not baby shows, what, but there are I mean, baby I, shows I on there. I was making a joke. What, no, all what shows are for Specifically everybody. Muppet Babies. <laughs> um, Muppet, I wouldn't yeah, call so, that a baby show. Cody, the old one was not. The new one nomination? is. Yeah. What's your okay. <laughs> so anyway, Tessa Thompson, she's good. She's charming. It really kind of sells the character. The next award I have is actually a special achievement award and is not in consideration for the main category. Uh, but it is a special achievement award for Danny Trejo has mm-hmm. boots in Dora and the Last City of Gold. He has um, maybe, you know, it's one three line. Lines. It's one line. It's, it's uninterrupted. R- uh, right, yeah. and, and it's very funny, and it's very funny that it's Danny Trejo, and it's in a moment of good comedy, and mm. he nails it. Yeah, so special achievement uh, for Danny Trejo. I'll go ahead and second that. That's uh, I, I would like to see the pickies recognize <laughs> that surprise. <laughs> Danny Trejo's hard work. Yeah. yeah, we will give him a unanimous um, special achievement award, but not the overall award. My right. nominations by, uh, by hard work, we mean he showed up to like an ADR booth for twenty minutes yeah. tops. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a week before the movie came out. Yep. Um, so my nominations begin with J.K. Simmons as Claus in Claus. Um, he's Santa Claus, but he's Good not voice. like the, the normal Santa Claus. I mean, Claus is like a Santa Claus origin story slash like, quote unquote, real story behind the myth kind of thing. Um, and he does great. I mean, usually Santa Claus doesn't have like a ton of emotion. And, and um, I mean, he has emotion, but it's like jolly emotion. And, and you see Claus go through like a real transformation in, in Claus. Yeah. I also nominated Will Smith as Junior in Gemini Man. Um, hey, I mean, it's a mocap it's, performance for sure. As a mocap performance, <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's the greatest mocap that's ever been done, but I think mm. he does a pretty good job. Um, in the words of Angley, he is acting like a uh, like younger Will Smith, which is acting Worse. poorly, yeah. but doing that intentionally <laughs> right. because yeah. he's also acting against himself in a better performance. But like, mm-hmm. is it better if he's in? T- intentionally being worse 
I don't know. It's for you to decide. My my third domination is for Benicio Del Toro as Swiper in Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Um, when that movie was announced, I said to myself, what is, what is Swiper going to be like? And the answer is, he's just going to be an animated fox that talks and is basically mm-hmm. just like another henchman. Um, yeah, and, great. But what's, like Benicio Del Toro just knocks it out of the park. So what's good for insane him. Yep. about this movie is the fox talks and everyone mm-hmm. just accepts it. And then yeah. Boots is yeah. like his secretly can talk. It only reveals it once to Dora. <laughs> and, like, and people are like shocked by it. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird movie that I don't know if it's good, but it's fun. Yeah. No, I, it is good. I is want, the thing. It's uh, like low key kind of good. I want more movies like it. I think it like yeah. it could have been better, but I I want those adaptations to be like this Dora movie. I think it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So I'll walk. Okay. Us so through, now we're going into multiple yeah, nominations. The multiple yeah. nominations. So I co-signed on all of these. Uh, just turned out that way. Um, so yeah, um, Cody and I voted on Tom Hanks as Woody. Uh, Cody, you can speak to it a little bit too, but for me, it was like really just this sort of mm-hmm. legacy thing. Um, I thought it was like the script is doing interesting things with this character, Woody, and Hanks and his performance like was able to uh, capture that in a way, just like this sort of loss of like you know what he's believed in his whole life and like trying to pursue making himself happy in other ways. Um, and yeah, it was just it, it's just classic Tom Hanks as Woody, but like with a new twist, mm-hmm. and it's great. Um, I, I yeah I, I think it's great it's it's a guy realizing he uh, is needs to retire and kind yeah. of realizing what he actually wants to do for himself because he's built his life right. around his children um, and yeah Tom Hanks is I don't know one of our greatest actors period truly so this will not be the last time he's a very, uh, very good performance will not be the last time he's nominated um, this nope. uh, episode so uh, the other one the next one is Mark Ruffalo as Hulk in Avengers Endgame uh, let's Co- be specific Cody and I co-signed this well he's as Mark- Dr. Hulk or Bruce Banner Professor Hulk. Hulk. Professor Hulk, yeah. Professor Hulk, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's a really good performance. It's like, because he's not quite Bruce, not quite Hulk. He truly does meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's like strangely subtle for like such a big, large, mm-hmm. green man. Yes. Uh, there's yes. one moment I think of that I thought about when not, co-nominating Hulk was uh, just when he's talking about like, biting the bullet and being the one to do the snap to bring everyone back and just like yes he's scared but he's also like this is like my destiny like it's because of the gamma radiation i'm like basically built to be able to take this it's cool it's a it's a good performance i like it a lot i also think the moment where professor hulk is having to play other hulk is a really good that's a piece of comedic acting that is and i also i also like when he's doing the time machine thing and just like turns Ant-Man into baby Ant-Man and then old Ant-Man. Um, I, yeah. I think that's just a really funny scene. Uh-huh. It's, it's, yeah, it's very good. A good movie, Avengers Endgame. Um, <laughs> yep. Good so movie. Uh, the right. next one is Rosa Salazar as Alita in Alita Battle Angel. Uh, Mark and I co-signed as this As Alita one. Battle Angel. As Alita the Battle Angel. Uh, the so titular Battle I, Angel. I wasn't the biggest fan of this movie, but for me, Rosa Salazar carried it in a way that I was at least not like ever bored. Um, she really took like ownership of this role and was just this like joyful, like optimistic, like cause, cause she wakes up with no memory of who she is and she's sort of discovering life and she's like seeing all the beauty in it that like people around her aren't necessarily seeing. Uh, and she just sells it. And those big, big eyes uh, <laughs> really help with mm-hmm. like, 
uh, emoting in this mocap performance. Um, She's low key giving like a Disney princess performance, like a uh, that might Giselle be, from Enchanted. Yeah, that might just or be like, yeah, uh, but then Rapunzel. at the same time, I, I see that. I see that. She she like yeah. she starts with this naivety of like just being brand new to this world and everything is so like glorious and it's so it's so great mm-hmm. and it's so new. And then as she learns the the darkness of the world, her the character gets darker as well. And she says, "Fuck right. your mercy," which is the best line. Fuck of your the mercy whole year. is maybe the best line in cinema this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I disagree. <laughs> mm, shut up. <laughs> I, I think "Fuck Your Mercy" is also the sequel to "Just Mercy." Um, I think it is. Um, all right, okay. fucker, do the next. Yeah, one. the next one is Ryan Reynolds as Detective Pikachu from Pokemon: Colon Detective Pikachu. Uh, Cody and I co-signed this nomination. Um, and yeah, he's really funny. I don't know what to say. <laughs> he's he's basically just, doing I, the Ryan Reynolds thing. Uh, I thought it would be annoying and it wasn't. It was funny and charming. Yeah, like I'm on record of not liking Deadpool. And yeah. th- there's an argument that it's kind of a similar thing. And it is kind of a similar thing. Mm-hmm. But I think Detective Pikachu just has more emotional weight to it. He him. does. He's not those, as detached. And yeah, those moments where he's being a paternal figure to uh, what, what is his name? Um, I don't know. The yeah. guy. Justice. The guy. <laughs> Justice Smith yeah. is the actor. Yeah. Uh, right. When he's b- b- putting on those like paternal bits, like, yeah, it's strangely moving, and then you you mm-hmm. match that to this cutest thing you've ever seen in your entire damn life, mm-hmm. uh, and right. it's 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 an effective movie for me and a really effective performance. Uh, the final right. um, uh, nomination in this category is Tony Hale as Forky in Toy Story Four, and this is co-signed by all of us. Uh, right, mm-hmm. Tony Tony Hale is so funny in this role. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's all I have to say, really. What do you I, guys I think? Say? That, <laughs> he's I mean, forky. He's, he's almost the crux of the movie where, you know, he is what inspires Tom Hanks mm-hmm. to have an existential crisis. Um, and, you know, his, his job, like Tony Hill's job as this role is to be like childish and kind of annoying, yeah. but also lovable. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just nails it. And he's trash. Yeah. I'm trash. He's trash. Um, so I guess now we need to vote on what we think is best or kind of argue it out. Yeah. We all voted for Forky. That seems like the easy answer, but Forky mm-hmm. wouldn't be my best performance. I think I would say Tom Hanks is Woody personally, but okay. what, what, what do you guys say? Um, Honestly, I think my number one pick is Mark Ruffalo as Hulk. Interesting. Okay, Mark? My number one pick would probably be J.K. Simmons as Claus. Um, okay, but but I would be happy to second uh, Mark Ruffalo as Hulk. I mean, okay. that's the vote right there. So cool, <laughs> like I mean, that's easy enough. All right, Mark um, Ruffalo as Hulk. Congratulations, Mark. I hope to see him again in the future MCU stuff. Maybe She Hulk. He'll be back. Um, He'll be back. But yeah, really, like um, all, all of these were good performances. I, I didn't see Lady and the Tramp, so I can't say anything to that. But like, truly, all of right. these were incredible voice performances. Right. All right. Uh, best animated film. Films that are animated. We're starting off with Chad. <laughs> so, Go for it. Uh, my noms are the five animated movies I saw, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. so, uh, the Lego movie, the second part, is one of them. Um, it was okay. Bad movie. <laughs> mm, not great. It made me laugh kind a couple of, of times, but kind of a bad movie. It was, this was nowhere near as good as the 
first Lego movie. So let's go ahead and count that one out right. of consideration. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mark and I are diehard Lego fans, yeah. and we were like, mm, one 800 fuck And this. then The Lion King, which, while it did not need to exist, uh, which I know is like a weird argument for movies, because no movie has to exist, but whatever. Uh, exactly. I, will n- I will never, ever, ever watch this movie again. If I want to watch The Lion King, I will watch the 2D animated version, because it is more pretty to look at and it uh is the exact same script with a couple of variations what stands out about this movie is the incredible technical achievement i mean they made the animals look real the illusion was 100% there except maybe when they made it in vr and yeah yeah it's an incredible feat uh it might win the best viz effects oscar i don't know we'll see y'all already know if you're listening to this episode but yeah we'll see um i hey if i want to watch live action lion king i'll just watch hamlet 2000 starring (laughs) ethan hawk um (laughs) all right so now it's my noms I, I don't think I don't know if you guys have updated because you guys may co-sign I have some of these. I, I co-sign uh, three of yours, Cody. All right. Well, and I just point it out. Actually, you know what? Two, two of yours. Yeah. Okay. It's the first. So two. my first nomination is I Lost My Body. I mentioned it in Hidden Gems. It is a French animated film. Co-sign. Um, Chad co-signs. Um, it is nominated for Best Picture this year. It is basically. It is about a disfigured hand that mm-hmm. is trying to find its owner, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there's a pretty emotional story going mm-hmm. on. Um, I've seen a lot of people um, kind of take issues with certain elements of the plot, including my good friend Chad. Yeah. Um, and I think those are valid complaints to have, but I also don't know that I fully think that the movie lets him off the hook for those poor things that happen in the movie it's debatable yeah it's debatable Um, i do think that there are like young men who would watch this movie will miss the point and miss the point think he's being romantic think uh Mm. he deserves the girl uh in gross ways but it was was but i don't think the movie thinks that i don't think the movie thinks that it's just a it's a it's sticky because it kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't let him off the hook but it does it's it's weird uh but it's a yeah. beautifully animated movie oh my gosh it's gorgeous it's gorgeous mm-hmm. and like it's subtle like those opening sequences of like the hand still attached to the body like running fingers through the sand and like all this stuff it's mm-hmm. oh gosh it's gorgeous very gorgeous and i've never uh, i've never shown s- it on my tv before no hand watch out um <laughs> and i literally did during this movie so i think it, also, it gets points for that we we don't do any score nominations because we're dumb boys who don't understand mm-hmm. music. What is music? Um, but I do think this would have gotten a score nomination from me. I really like the score to this movie. Yeah. Um, my second nomination is Klaus. It is a Christmas film, um, but you can watch it year round. It is, you know, like Mark mentioned, mm-hmm. it is basically the origin story of Santa Claus. But as as the full movie, it just has an emotional weight and melancholy yeah melancholia to it um it, especially like how it resolves itself and its final moments are just absolutely gorgeous it also the technology they use to do the animation is phenomenal and gorgeous and mm-hmm. i don't know it's a great flick it's yeah, also worked by the guy who made tarzan which is the best disney movie so mm-hmm. I, it's right. not i just say uh, i um, i co-sign klaus as well um 
Yeah, it's just this mm-hmm. Christmas movie that like feels. I want to say it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie because it does. It's very. It's obviously very Christmas. It's about Santa Claus, but it doesn't have that same just like cheesy, like yep. feeling you get out of yeah. most Christmas movies. It, it feels a little more grown up. I think that you know right. this this Christmas movie. A lot of Christmas movies are like it's Christmas, and you know Christmas is about family, and like kind of just doesn't really have much to say about Christmas in general other than like it's a time to feel good and be around people you love but this right. movie is really about the act of like giving to people and how gifts can bring a community together and it's mm-hmm. also about like myths and how like myths yes. are built yeah. and mm-hmm. like I love that about it yeah um so a lot of the animated movies I picked this year actually seem to have a common theme and that's snow, which is ironic because I <laughs> fucking hate snow. Um, my, so my next pick is frozen Two. It is the sequel to frozen. It, um, it's, it's hard because I don't know if I, I, I think this movie may be better than the first, but the first is a, a movie that I like while realizing it's not perfect. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about this one. I think this one has some ideas that it is trying. I don't know that it fully um, reaches those points, but I think there's some really good moments in the movie. There's some fun songs. It's um, it, it's not like last year we had Wreck-It Ralph, or we had Ralph Breaks the Internet, which was a sequel that was like, to me transcendent and like really had a lot to say and Mm -hmm. really emotionally grabbing Mm -hmm. frozen two was not that to me. Um, but I still enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I Um, I don't think this quite lives up to the, the first one, which is like instantly iconic. Um, I don't think the songs are as good as the first one either. Um, Mm. I, I was not as crazy about this movie, this movie as other Disney movies or frozen movies. Right, agreed. Um, my next pick is Abominable, which is the fucking third Sasquatch. Uh, yeah, what is going on like, in animation studios? <laughs> I don't know. But um, a lot of people liked Missing Link this year, and for whatever reason, that movie didn't connect to me. Connect with me. I thought mm. that the um, the stop motion was really impressive about it, but Abominable even though there's elements of cheesiness where like they fucking play Coldplay's yellow during part of it, but it's done as a beautiful like violin version. Uh So that helps, but it just is like, I don't, the the emotion of it grabbed me a little bit more. It's about a girl who is like, who has lost her father and is wanting to see the places that they had talked about going together. And then there's this creature who just wants to return home and they bond together with beautiful music. And I don't know. It shocked me how good I found this movie, but I I really liked it. Cool. Okay. So multiple noms. Uh, Mark, you want to intro this one? Yeah. So I I co-sign lost my body and claws. Um, didn't see Abominable and wasn't crazy about Frozen. My other nomination was Toy Story 4, which we all nominated. I mean, we talked about this when we talked about Forky and Tom Hanks. It's, you know, I think, you know, Cody reads this movie as being about retirement. I read this movie almost about being, uh, you know, I, you know, you can almost read the Toy Story movies as about being about God, where, you know, your human mm-hmm. is God, and the second one is about, like, what happens when, you know... The, the the third one is 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 weirdly about like what happens when you know you you are 
don't have a god anymore or you know you mm-hmm. are you're you're kind yeah, of you're transitioning losing your faith essentially. and this one is is really yeah. about like what if what happens if you have to exist without him and can you still find purpose um mm-hmm. and, and the answer is yeah your purpose is just with other people that are like you and taking care of people and not even yeah. taking care of you know other you know people that own you or your owners look the metaphor doesn't super track but it's it's right. just a really right. humanist message of like try your best to protect everyone around you even if that isn't like your your what you've always thought your purpose in life and was. in those final me, moments it, particularly it, out of like buzz lightyear it's about like being able to like let go and let your friends be happy even if it's going to be like you know sad for you to see him go uh i don't know it's, it's like about saying goodbye in some ways and then in Forky's yeah, case, t- it's about like setting aside like what you want for someone else. Like it's about like the self-sacrifice. He just wants to be trash, but he knows what he means to Bonnie now in some way. And it's right. about like making like sacrifice. It, it's a dense movie. It's really, really. I, yeah. I love this movie. So, so to me, it's about retirement a little bit. But what I like connected to it more with, and what I like read into it, and why it emotionally like wrecked me is because it, it's something that I like went through. Is like the thing you thought you were gonna do for your whole life is maybe not actually what you want to do. W- Woody like thinks, oh, okay, I got to be there for Bonnie, and then the movie is about him realizing that like, no, I want to stay here with Bo. I want to stay and help other toys and just do something different. And as a, somebody who had very much like one particular goal for a long time, and then started realizing like, yeah, I don't think I actually want to do that. It very like emotionally affected me. And like, I've loved these characters forever. I think this mm-hmm. is like. It may not be the best Toy Story movie, but it's close. Um, mm-hmm. And three emotionally devastated me in ways, but I think that's the weakest of the movies. This one emotionally devastated me in a different way, and I think just as top to bottom incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. So let's vote, uh, Chad. You go first. Um, I'm torn between Toy Story four and Klaus. Uh, I don't really know what to say other than that. I might not need to say any more, so I'm going to pass the torch to Mark. I'll say that I'm torn between Toy Story 4 and uh, I Lost My Body, so that almost answers the question as long as Cody can agree. I am uh, not. Uh, I'm not torn. It's Toy Story 4. Okay. All right, Toy, Toy Story, Story 4, 4 is one with of my favorite then, movies yeah. of the year. There you go. Uh, agreed. Um, co-signed okay. all three. Let's call it unanimous because it's, it's a beautiful yep. movie. Uh, Klaus, yep. my reasoning would have been essentially just that very unique animation style. I want to see more experimentation in animation. Um I definitely agree with that. You know, yeah. I would say the but same thing I think, about I Lost My Body. I think yep. narratively it, Toy Story 4 is, w- w- like, by a bullet, the stronger movie. Um, I actually am excited to see because um, the uh, Netflix is supposedly investing a lot into animation, mm-hmm. so I'm excited yeah. to see what comes from their animation Like something studios. like four a year or something like that? Four to six a year. Four yeah. to six. I think yeah. that, awesome. you know, the guy who made... Claus is going to have a lot of other movies on Netflix. He, he signed a big deal. Yeah. Um, okay. So next okay. is best original screenplay. Chad, yeah. walk us through. So I've got uh, three nominations that no one co-signed on. I'll walk through those. Uh, the first one is Billy Chu, who wrote The Death of Dick Long. The De- Death of Dick Long is a very like special movie for me. Um, I have never really 
thought of like Alabama where I grew up as like an interesting place to tell stories really I never saw like the narrative potential and this movie like showed that to me in a way um but the reason I'm nominating it for best screenplay mostly is the crazy like sort of twist in the middle of the movie like it it, it the way it's structured is like something bad happened and we're trying to like deal with the aftermath of it without really understanding what happened halfway through. It's like revealed what happened and it kind of recontextualizes everything and the fallout of like the implications. I don't want to say too much for those who haven't seen the movie. I think it's on Amazon prime now and you can watch it. Uh, it is. Yeah. I, I loved, love, love this movie. Loved the screenplay and the way it was structured. Um, my next one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's uh, original screenplay. I don't know what to say other than I really liked this movie. Um, the dialogue is the reason why I'm nominating it for screenplay. Um, there's particularly the scene halfway through the movie between uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and a, a little girl. I don't know her name. Um, but they just... Yeah, using this like book that Leo's character is reading to like talk about himself and what he's going through, and just like the, the movie's full of stuff like that. Um, and yeah, it's I think it's Quentin Tarantino's most like grown up movie, his most mature movie. I, I I like it a lot. It's a good hangout movie between a lot of people that I really like. Um, I think the things you are describing about the movie is what's good about the movie and the screenplay. <laughs> but to <laughs> me, the ending doesn't work to me the ending all. does work so. but we, we can talk about that later because it's just it, it's, it's we got it for like a best picture nominee too so we can okay. we can do okay. the we'll hashing out then, of that yeah. later um and then david robert mitchell for writing under the silver lake this movie like it's wild and i don't know if it's good but i know that i love it uh there's certainly some sequences in it that are just like they'll they're like burned in my head like i'll never forget them like the, the songwriter sequence like that feels like mm-hmm. a finale of the movie, but it's really only like halfway through or maybe not even halfway through. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just this movie that like really, <sighs> the mystery of it all is just really enthralling. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just like, I, I haven't seen a movie like this really. I mean, I have, I've seen like movies that influenced it. Uh, definitely like Lynch right. was an influence on this, but um mm-hmm. Wait, what did you say was an influence? Lynch, Lynch, David Lynch. Lynch. I thought you said Linklater, and I was like, how? Oh yeah, yeah. it's just like you know, a bunch of Texas boys hanging out and uh, yeah, improvised dialogue neighborhood of Los Angeles. Um, but no, it's uh, yeah, it, it's a ride, is what I'll say about this, and uh, it's very unique. So those yeah, are my three definitely nonce. unique. Yep. Um, so my first nom is um, James Gray and Ethan Gross writing Ad Astra, a movie that I absolutely adored from this year um, that is about a guy trying to find his father and his father not giving a shit. Um, I just his think... father literally says, I don't care. <laughs> right, because it's Tommy Lee Jones. But I, I, I think the way this movie builds is it's, it's like Apocalypse Now in how it is just like trying to find one guy and you're going through all these like shitty places to get there. But the thing is, I don't like apocalypse now that much, Mm. but this, I just loved what they did because I don't know, there's space pirates and monkeys and, um, it just, I don't know. I, I, I love 
the sprinkling of details that are in this movie, the fact that there's like an Applebee's on the moon um, and the Christian illusions that are all over the movie. Mm. Like this is a futuristic society that seems to have gone further into faith, um, which I think is incredible um, and an interesting approach that we have not necessarily seen in a lot of sci-fi. Um, and Tommy Lee Jones's character um, has kind of lost his mind trying to see God basically. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I, I think it's incredibly well written and well done. Um, and he had Astra thoughts. We'll talk about it more, I guess in best picture yeah. because I have it there. Mm-hmm. Um, my next original screenplay is Pedro Almodovar. Almodovar. Uh, for Pain and Glory, a movie that I actually watched pretty recently because uh, Mark recommended it, um, and it you know squeaked in under the wire on my nominations. I think the script is great. I don't really want to reveal too much <laughs> about why I think the script is great, unfortunately, <laughs> because I think part of how it works is its final moments and kind of a final moment that recontextualizes something. But it, but but it's a movie about dealing with pain and dealing with art and how you can funnel your pain into the art, but you also need to get help for your pain. You can't just do that. Like there's a better way to cope with things. And I, mm. I don't know Thought it was a great screenplay. Um, the rest of Cody's are joint picks, but here are my independent, like solo nominations. Um, first of all, Emily Halpern and Sarah Hoskins and Suzanne Fogel and Katie Silverman for Booksmart, a movie that I think is one of the funniest movies of the year. Um, yes. One of the funniest straight comedies made, I think, in a long time. Um, I, I'd say since I think Game that, Night, which was like, I think it's funnier than Game Night. Um, Me too. But, you know, comedy works differently for everyone. But I think that, you know, the the jokes in this movie are so good. The structure of this movie is so great. Just hopping between parties and also the connecting tissues between parties. You know, every trip they take is a, is a really fun journey. Um, it's so funny. It's so modern. You know, the jokes they're making are, you know, extremely modern about, you know, activism and, you know, being like jokes about being woke and, and not like a you know a negative way um but also right. like jokes about the the trouble of having to charge your phone and the thing you're watching going in the speakers of everything and it being embarrassing mm-hmm. um but also just a, like the, it's an incredible uh, which is such maybe one of the funniest things in the movie um yeah. but i think just overall it's about being in high school and having all these people around you that you don't really know but suddenly getting to know them and realizing that they all have all these layers that you don't know because you've just kind of made stereotypes about them. It's a really great movie. I've watched it, you know, several times and I will probably watch it several more times because um, it's just it's just so funny and so yeah. sweet and heartwarming and about friendship and about growing up and about, you know, being around people and getting to know them. My other nomination is uh, Honey Boy, written by Shia LaBeouf, kind of autobiographical. He mm. he wrote it while he was in therapy and wrote it as therapy to kind of confront some things in his past. And that's really obvious, and especially as someone who loved even Stevens, um, watching something about the the things that Shiloh was going through while making that show. And, you know, you hear a lot about 
you know, child actors and, and the, the trouble that they go through. Um, I think it's, it's really powerful to see someone being honest about their story, but also being able, you know, it's about him forgiving his dad and, and, you know, his, his work ethic comes from his dad and the, the negative things his dad put in him. So it's about him kind of dealing with how you confront those negative emotions about the person that inspired you the most. It's really interesting. And yeah. I, I think it's just such a great movie. Yeah, I mean, it yeah, literally, I think it's, it's interesting uh, using it's, art as therapy. It, yeah, it's literally a therapy session for Shia LaBeouf, and it like it's a very effective in that way. Yeah, I'm a, I'm close um, to co-signing on this, truly. Well, Whatever here are things we co-signed on. Well, me and Cody specifically agreed on Parasite, written by uh, Bong Joon Ho mm-hmm. and Han Win Won, Han Jin Won. Sorry, um, Cody, you talk about Parasite because I think you like it more than me. Yeah, Parasite is the fucking best movie. It's so good. <laughs> like, um, and, I and I'm kind of th- kicking myself for not co-signing I, on this one, truly. Uh, yeah. So uh, Parasite is just, uh, and it's scream. God, I can't even point out the best part of Parasite, which is kind of the problem, but the screenplay is definitely p- uh, part of it. Mm. The way it is perfectly like calculated and like, yeah, the, the tension is built and things happen at exactly the right moment. Those and it just levels layers of, upon layers. and The levels of payoff are just so satisfying in this movie. Um, yes. And like what the movie is about is layered throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing. And it's got humor. It's got darkness. It's got... It's everyone it, it's in the main family is just characterized so well. Um, you feel like you mm-hmm. like really get all four Distinct of them. Distinct characters. Yeah. 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 Um, our next cosign is mm. um, all three of us signed off on this one yeah. is Noah Bombach for Marriage Story. Chad, so, you want to talk about this one? Yeah, this is like my favorite movie of the year. Um, Bombach is a dialogue boy. Um, he is really good at dialogue. He, what strikes me about this screenplay, and this has been out for a long time now, and this fight scene has been like a meme for a while. So I don't feel like mm-hmm. I'm really spoiling anything when I say this, but. What struck me about the screenplay and why I think it should win uh, the category is that it truly, it takes you from the opening image of here's the things I love about Nicole and like it takes you from that and it's heartwarming and it's like sweet in that scene and it takes you all the way to the point where he's screaming in her face saying I wish you were dead and like none of that feels contrived. Like you fully buy that whole journey you fully get it it's just full of this like humanity of like these two flawed people whose just marriage just did not work uh and yeah i just think it's super powerful i mean it's about people who clearly have a lot of affection for each other and they're clearly Mm -hmm. a big part of each other's stories but they're also starting to recognize how they're holding each other back um, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that is kind of like talked around and kind of avoided until that big blow up. Um, but it's, it's yeah. really great to be able to see how, you know, it, it's, it's written to, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know anything about divorce, but this feels the, exactly like what it would be like to go through a divorce of, of someone that you love, but also hate. Yep. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think Chad and I can uh, say, yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Um, not that we're planning on getting divorced, no, but we both are uh, children of it. You guys are both married to people you hate. 
Nope. No, absolutely nope. not. Oh, sorry. sorry. Um, it, it's almost like we learn lessons from, uh, from things that happen to us. Mistakes, yeah. Uh, yep. But no, it, uh, it's messy and bad, just like this movie. Uh, it sucks. It. it sucks a lot. It's like the the yeah. business of divorce is like the grossest part of it. Like the people, mm. like those lawyers, like Ray Liotta's character, who are just like, profiting off of other people's like lives falling apart well and, and those like, are very and those are very specifically like high powered like famous people divorce attorneys who yeah. like are fully in it trying to get the money yeah yeah and, and um, Dern, <laughs> i love it we'll, we'll talk about her later actually N- never we'll mind. talk about her later um um so uh, and then our l- final multiple nom is Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. Mark, you want to give us a quick rundown of <laughs> yeah, the screenplay? Yeah, I mean, Knives Out is a is a mystery movie, and you know, any mystery doesn't work if the screenplay isn't there to really unravel the mystery at the right pace. And what's what's crazy about this one is that you know the mystery, you know the, the answer to the mystery from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Most right. of it, you know, I think that what's what's great about this movie is that it answers a lot of questions up front, but still leaves a lot of blanks for you to to have to fill in for yourself. So half of half of the movie is hoping that, um, hoping that the solution gets solved. I mean, I don't want to spoil this too much, but you know who does it, and you're kind of on their team for some of right. it. But also, you're also trying to solve this bigger mystery of, you know, who orchestrated the the detective getting there mm-hmm. um right but it's also you know it, it's saying a lot about american society and and how we treat others and mm-hmm. you know how families can interact with each other when they disagree about a lot of things and um it just it's just so layered but just even on the surface level of is it a good mystery it's a fantastic mystery and that is a really hard thing to write yep. yeah it's uh i think the knives that really it's a really novel mystery. Like it's really, I've never seen a mystery movie like this. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, well, a it's classic not a, novel, Ryan it's Johnson a movie. Thing. You dumb shit. Uh, okay. uh, <laughs> I think, I think knives out would probably be my, my pick for the winner. Okay. My pick for the winner is parasite. Uh, and my, my pick would be marriage story. Uh, all right. So, so what do we do? I could get I behind know. We haven't gotten to this story. What Mark? I could get behind marriage story. You could get behind marriage story. Um, and and uh, I, I'll say, <laughs> I'll say I could get behind Knives Out too, Cody. <laughs> so, so we, Cody, I, pick. I think you have to pick between Knives Out and Marriage Story at this point. Yeah. <sighs> All right, I'm going to fight for Parasite a lot harder in further categories, sure. but I will say Marriage Story. Gotcha. Here. Cool. Okay. Um. Is it Loki? Because I think Marriage Story may win. No, never mind. Once Upon a Time is going to win screenplay probably at the Oscars. Mm, but you guys yeah. will know that already. Um, why do I keep cutting that? Adapted anyway. screenplay is next. Chad, do you want to start yeah. with your picks? Yeah, I'll start. Um, I'm nominating Chris Marcus and Stephen McFeely for Avengers Endgame. Um, it's tricky because like, I know Marcus and McFeely probably had a lot of like oversight like these movies are a lot of like by committee movies um mm-hmm. but i mean this thing is just I, so i think like a lot of the big picture stuff had been decided years ago of like what happens in this movie that being mm-hmm. said the like the balance in this movie is what like blew me away and just like all these characters journeys uh just coming to this 
this point, particularly like Tony Stark and uh, Captain America. Um, I don't know. It, it's structured where like the first hour of this movie, you're just dealing with the aftermath of the previous movie and like the devastation. Then you're on a time travel adventure for another hour. And then the third hour is uh, the finale, you know, of fight fighting scene. against Thanos and the aftermath of that. Um, so it's just these like crisp acts. Each hour is distinct from the other. Um, and yeah, just that the, the payoffs with, with Tony Stark in particular, just like really, uh, sell me on this, this adapted screenplay. Um, my next nomination is Taika Waititi and Christine Lunens, I think is how you say yeah. her last name. Yeah. Uh, it is based on a novel. I'm not sure what the novel is called, but it's for Jojo rabbit, the movie. Um, I have not read the novel. I am pretty sure it has no semblance of like comedy or light levity in the, no, in the book. Um, which, you know, I, I've heard the take that like, this is just not the movie where you have that levity. And in some ways I agree, but then in other ways it's like, it's about this boy's perspective. I don't know. It, it made you like frustrated that this Nazi youth boy was like brainwashed the way he was. You were like mad at society for turning this like otherwise good natured boy into a gross racist. Um, But it's about that boy overcoming that when he like meets a Jewish girl um, and yeah, just that, that story of like growing and changing and being able to like look your views in the face and be like, no, this is wrong. I need to change is something, I think it's a, a good story for the time. Um, and, and I, I think that I could probably second all of Cody or Chad's picks here and, um, some of Cody's picks as well, but, um, I think that what what's, people are saying that we shouldn't be joking about these things in JoJo, or I don't know, you know, that's their specific gripe with this movie. Um, but I think that this movie does address a lot of the bad things about Nazi Germany. I mean, it yeah. doesn't disguise I mean, it, the racism. It, it doesn't describe that, um, you know, good people die all over this movie. And yeah. I think that it doesn't beat around that bush, but it, it just reminds you that they were kids in Nazi Germany as well. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. wasn't, you know, it is pretty black and white who's good and who's bad. Yes, but it wasn't that, as obvious mm-hmm. if you are eight years old and, and like, in the middle of it. The racism is not light in this movie. It's pretty fucking heavy. Uh, I mean, they do make like jokes. Like, I don't know. It's it's tricky. Because, anyways, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a little messy, but like I think it's mostly handled really well. Uh, my next nomination is Anthony McCarden for the Two Popes. Um, this movie just handles like uh, conflict between uh, two people with like the same faith, but like very different ideas of what that faith means uh, and handles it really well. And um, yeah, it's just, it's good to see like a faith based movie handled like in a really mature way and like with a bit of nuance and like, criticism but also like showing the beauty of what uh faith can be mm-hmm. um when typically like in faith-based movies you have like very black and white unrealistic like depictions of life uh right. but this movie is just beautiful yep um so that's I, my third nominee the, the nuance is uh very good in that one um so my nom is andrew stanton and stephanie Folsom for toy story 4 again 
most of this stuff I've already mm-hmm. talked about in the best animated um, category, but I just connect really well to the screenplay and overall story that they are doing for um, this potentially final uh, Toy Story film. My next one is Mike Flanagan for Dr. Sleep. This is a movie we haven't really talked about um, yet, but it is basically an adaptation of a Stephen King book that is also a sequel to The Shining. And why I have it in screenplay here is because it takes elements of the book um, adapts it in a way that is compelling while still being a sequel to Stanley Kubrick's Shining, which is not the same as Stephen King's Shining. And I think it handles, uh, you know, having two masters pretty well. So that's those are my noms. Cool. My picks start with Micah Fitz- Fitzerman Blue and Noah Harps- Harpster. I've never even tried to say these names before. I apologize. For A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, aka the Mr. Rogers movie, but it's really not the Mr. Rogers movie. It's the guy who's writing about Mr. Rogers the movie. Um, I think that it's. I, I think the magic of this movie is keeping Mr. Rogers not at the focus, but always as the most important thing, and really kind of putting him in the context of what it's like to be a normal person who has problems in their lives that they don't know how to deal with. And, and the power that Mr. Rogers has to, you know, teach you and help you deal with those things. Um, and kind of having him not necessarily being like, here's how you should do this, but like having him be an example of love and forgiveness and, and yeah. using that to help other people be more loving and forgiving. My other solo nom is Steve Zalian for The Irishman, um, based off of the book about the same guy. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's really difficult to make a movie that's about a whole life story and make it, you know, he didn't even, he doesn't necessarily make it short, but nope. he made it very watchable. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it transitions well from the, the young days that are like more like Goodfellas to the old days that are more like Silence and makes them feel like the same movie mm-hmm. and makes them connect. And, mm-hmm. and I think the structure of the flashbacks um, and, and contextualizing a lot of that stuff is really powerful. Yep. Uh, so moving into multiple noms, um, we have Lulu Wang for The Farewell. Chad, you want to talk about this one real quick? Yeah, it's uh, it's just a really... Um, it's just a really touching movie about grandmothers and how special they are. It's about mourning uh, people and like being in this weird place where like you know you're going to say mm-hmm. goodbye. Um, and yeah, in this movie, it's like the, the grandmother doesn't know that it's goodbye forever. And it's this tension of like wanting to like almost, almost selfishly like for yourself to be able to say goodbye, but also respecting the wishes of the, the, the rest of the family to like keep it a secret from the grandmother. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a really special movie. It's really special. Also, maybe the first movie adapted from a podcast. Yep, um, I co-signed. Oh, yeah, this one that's as the well. thing. That's why it's adapted. It's because it's from a podcast <laughs> yeah, episode. Um, yeah. So the next multiple nom is one from me and Mark, and it's Lorraine Scarfaria and Jessica Pressler for Hustlers. Mark, you want to talk about this one, or I can talk about this one. Yeah, go ahead and talk about this. So one. Hustlers rules school. It's based on the article, um, and I think it just the the way that the screenplay really makes it a journey it it keeps the interview element of it without feeling too kind of um cheesy and it also um 
is is just about this very particular time in recent history. And I think it handles all that well. And I think it creates pretty dynamic characters that come off the screen. And I don't know, it just makes a big impact in a real way. And I think the script and dialogue and all of that stuff within it is what makes that work. And then our final multiple nom is Greta Gerwig for Little Women. So, Mark, you talk about this one. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think to some extent when you're adapting a book, it's easy to, like, just adapt the book straightforward. Mm -hmm. But what she did is really unique in that she just moves timelines around and kind of Mm -hmm. makes it, you know, nonlinear where you have, like, a future, you know, what I assume is the end of the book happening at the same time as the beginning of the book, which really contextualizes a lot of the grief that's in the end of the book with a lot of the joy that's in the beginning of the book and, and mm-hmm. makes it more about memories and and, um, and how your perception of things changes over time. And another thing, I haven't read the book, but I, if I'm not mistaken, Joe is like the writer of mm-hmm. Little Women um, mm-hmm. in the book. She, she like writes the book version. And in the book, she writes that she went on and got married, mm-hmm. uh, which the character Joe in the book did get married too, but like the character Joe in the movie stays single just like the auth- the real life author of right. Little Women remains single the rest of her life yeah. which is like a fun way to like adapt reality into like the narrative of like that's why the book was written this way right um, yeah yeah it's I, a really think... it's a cool adaptation and mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have actually read the script but like the way she does like the flashbacks is like they're all like written in red and then like the um the present day stuff is all like written in uh, in black. It's like this, it's a really unique and cool screenplay. That's cool. Um, hmm. yeah. I'm into that. I don't read. I so. I am. This is my number one pick, by the way. Uh, yeah, me too. Into that. Yeah, it's mine as well. <laughs> oh, well, that was okay, easy. Cool. <laughs> yep. As far I as also... like adapting a work to a screenplay, this did the best job for sure. Yes, um, I'm also yeah. kind of confident that this uh, one. Uh, best picture yesterday, but again, I have I, no it idea. Probably did, yeah. Best picture or best adapted? Yeah. Best adapted screenplay. Sorry, at the Oscars. I would oh, love yeah, for it picture, to win best, best picture. Yeah. It's uh, not. It's either this or Joker I because I have a sneaking suspicion Joker sweeps the Oscars and wins all eleven nominations. You're vastly um, wrong about Lucifer, that. Let's get into Chad best is. supporting am, actor. But <laughs> Chad. Quick, uh, so Brad Pitt. Is, yeah, Brad Pitt is Cliff Booth in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, yeah, it's another one of these where it's like it's just this guy who's kind of unsympathetic. I mean, it's like vaguely implied that he murdered his wife. Yeah. Um yeah, it's 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 messy, but then like it ugh, Leo has this like complicated relationship with him and like I think Brad Pitt Cliff Booth like knows this and like knows that like he's kind of a burden for his friend and like I don't know. It's Brad Pitt is, is is a master actor. It's time he won his award, and he's going to probably win it last night. He will night. definitely win it. Uh, yep, <laughs> last night. Yeah. Um, Dean Charles Chapman as Lance Corporal Tom Blake in 1917. Um, he is one of the two boys who go out on an adventure together to save his brother uh, in the movie 1917. He is kind of like this anchor of like, the idea of the optimistic soldier who's like in it for all the right reasons and is like fully like committed to the mission mm-hmm. um, and is a, hash, uh, a hashtag good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, re- reminded me a lot of Samwise Gamgee and yes. uh, their dynamic was a very Frodo Sam dynamic. Definitely. Um, t- 
to the point where I want this actor to play a hobbit in the Amazon right. uh, Lord of the Rings series. Well, he wasn't um, cast, so. Well, that we know of. There's uh, no, nope, the I cast am, is complete. No, uh, that we know of. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was really blown away with his performance. Um, right. And then my yep, last nominee very good. Uh, is Willem Dafoe as Thomas Wake in The Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two scenes in particular that like sell me on this nomination. Um, re- one that just like absolutely blows my mind. It's that the uncut take of him being buried alive, uh, mm-hmm. and he's just like screaming like the whole the whole time he's just a madman and he just sells being this like uh old-timey sailorman just gone mad on this on this island for for years i i'm just yeah i'm blown away it's definitely the biggest performance of the year i think yeah and like which usually i'm a little eye rolly about but this one is just like special for me that the I as that scene was happening in this movie, I was like, I hope this is not what the part people are pointing to for why he's a good actor. And then what the the being buried alive? Or yes, the, it's like or the... just doing hard shit and destroying your body doesn't necessarily make you a good actor. He is he is a good actor. I just think this movie mm-hmm. is like a not for me. B this performance is so over the top that I just. I don't know. I kind of like I, some of the other stuff better. I love how over the top this performance is. Yeah. No, it's fun. Oh, well. Those are my noms. Um, so my noms are Song Kang Ho as um, Kim Kai Take. I'm, I'm going to butcher any of the Parasite names, but I got his uh, the actor's name correct. Uh, in Parasite, he plays the father of the Kim family. Mm-hmm. And he kind of has to deal with the most shit. Um, He is like, he has Mm -hmm. to hear that he kind of smells bad from his employers. He has to keep the family together and uh, no spoilers, but ultimately like it has to sacrifice in ways. And I think Mm -hmm. this, this actor's performance is like incredible. Um, (laughs) Following the lines of like, I would second this. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, following the lines of fathers, uh, Tommy Lee Jones is H. Clifford McBride and Ad Astra. I kind of already talked about this when I talked about Ad Astra, but him playing the man at the end of space who has kind of lost his mind trying to find God is so compelling. And him to basically like look his son in the face and tell him he doesn't give a shit about him. I think it's it's a great performance. Um, and then my last is Jamie Foxx as Walter McMillan from Just Mercy. Um, kind of a late addition um, in my picky race because uh, I didn't see till January. But I think Jamie Foxx just plays it with a lot of pathos. It's a guy who was falsely accused of crime and was stuck in prison and is kind of dealing with being beaten down by the system but still trying to have faith and trying to have faith kind of just for his family. So, um, yeah. That's my um, my nominations begin with Shia LaBeouf as James Lort in Honey Boy, practically playing his own father, mm-hmm. um, which is just so interesting because, you know, he talks about, you know, I've, I've seen the interviews with him where he talks about his father being like his his enemy for most of his life. So having to empathize with him in, in that role is really interesting. He does a great job with it. Also, Anthony Hopkins as Pope Benedict the 16th mm-hmm. in The Two Popes. Mm-hmm. He is one of the titular Two Popes. Um, the, he is playing a guy who 
is really troubled by he, he's more of a traditionalist in his beliefs he famously did a lot of cover-ups for the scandals that are involved with the the catholic church and the movie is really him kind of suffering with that and mm-hmm. and you know he has this line where he says how can i do do my job of being the conduit for god if i can't hear god which is so heartbreaking and you can really see that in his performance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. also um timothy chalamet as lori uh theodore lawrence in little women i mean this this role is so important to the movie because mm-hmm. it kind of connects two characters and he does a great job of of doing the whole arc of of that character between being in love with one of them to hating all of them to being in love with another one spoilers my apologies um for a 200 year old he's, book. he's so great yeah and uh yeah for a 200 year old book i'm sorry for spoiling it <laughs> um he's fantastic and then lucas hedges as well for otis lort in honey boy playing Shia LaBeouf in, you know, what isn't a impression by any means, but you can definitely see the yeah. the Shia LaBeouf, the, the, he, he the rage in him. He captures his essence. Yeah. Um, he's, he's really great in that. Honey Boy is just amazing performances all around. from all three of the, of the characters. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. A brief digression, because I have a question. Um, mm-hmm. We've done three pickies. I don't have the information in front of me, but have we nominated Timothy Chalamet and Lucas Hedges at every picky? <laughs> I think yes, we, we have, have. <laughs> which is funny. And it yeah. probably will oh, continue right. because fucking Dune this year. Um, so, <laughs> you know. Dune. Um, okay, so the ones I don't know we- if it's been both every year, but it's definitely been one or the other every year. I think it's been at both least. every year. I really do. Um, I don't think Chalamet got Beautiful Boy. I don't think I we think nominated it for that. I think somebody did. Anyway, multiple noms. We have Joe Pesci as Russell Buffalino. Uh, Chad, you want to talk about this one real quick? Yeah, so I heard Pesci was coming back for the Irishman, and I was fully Mm -hmm. expecting his, like, unhinged Pesci, you know, like the... what 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 you're used to. But what we got instead was this, like, subdued, subtle performance, but, like, you can see the menace behind his, like, soft smile and, like... The dynamic between Pesci and uh, De Niro's daughter um, mm-hmm. and, like, how she sees right through his shit and, like, doesn't like him and he's self-conscious mm-hmm. about that even though he's supposed to be, like, this, like, tough mob boss guy. Mm-hmm. Pesci is my favorite part of this movie that is a really, really great movie and, like, one of my favorites yep. of the year. Um, yep. But, yeah, his performance I- blew me away. I agree. He he's very good. Um, and then our final multiple thumb is Tom Hanks as Fred Rogers. Um, Mark, you want to talk about this one? I mean, look, it's Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. It's Mr. Rogers, two of America's favorite people. Um, when this was when this was cast, everyone was all googly eyes about it, and I was a little mm-hmm. bit of an eye roll about how on the nose that choice was. But unsurprising, <laughs> he is he's fantastic. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, and I mean, I don't. He's you know you expect a great performance from Tom Hanks. Um, and, and he just nails this. Gotcha. Um, so, Mark, who is your vote for Best Supporting Actor? Um, my honest vote is probably Shia LaBeouf or Anthony Hopkins, but I'd be happy for, for Tom Hanks to win this. Okay. Um, Chad. Cool. Uh, my pick, my number one pick is Joe Pesci. So I'll see what you okay. vote, and then I'll tell you my number two, depending. My number one is Song Kang Ho and Parasite, obviously. But I, <laughs> okay. I Tom Hanks is my number two. 
I would also get behind Tom Hanks is also my number two. So let's let's put Tom Hanks down for supporting actor. Okay, but Mark said he would go for Song Kang Ho. So oh wait, you said Song Kang Ho? Oh, you did. I, 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 I said I would be happy for him to win this. And I feel like this is the easiest parasite win for Cody here. <laughs> not not to just outright politic this. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean he's great. I I I'd, I'd put him down as a third. Yeah, sure. Mm. Hmm. How does this work? Because it was Cody. I will tell was... you this. I probably <laughs> this will be easier to win than par- than best picture for you. God dang it. <laughs> Um, uh, I don't. I don't know if that's true, Mark. <laughs> I also but, don't know that it's yeah. true. I think it's um, Tom Hanks. I think Tom Hanks is the consensus pick. All right, I really do. It, I it mean, don't look, don't act like I didn't I try mean, when we have to argue about Parasite for Best Picture later. Yeah, I. Yeah, mm, Song Kang Ho is very good. It's 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 it's. I don't think there's any going wrong here. I think there's so many good supporting knobs. Joe Pesci was my number one, but it's right. fine. Tom Hanks is Fred Rogers made me happy. Um, right. Okay. So, best supporting actor, actress, Chad. So now we can talk about Laura Dern as Nora Fanshawe and Marriage Story. We've already talked about the movie, so I'm just going to only talk about her. She plays this lawyer who, to Scarlett Johansson's face, is like so, like you know, friendly, bubbly, like, oh, I'm just in this for you. But she is just as like malicious as your Ray Liotta character, who is like supposed to be this like he's the bad one, obviously. But like she, she plays this part so well of just like being so phony and fake, uh, and I think Dern totally sells it. Yeah, um, I think it's great. I think her being the runaway winner all year is a little shocking to me because we've seen her do this before. It but, is, but it's a good performance. It is. So my other pick that is a solo pick, not seconded by anybody so far, is Julia Fox's Julia in Uncut Gems. Um, and it's just one of those performances that's just like, I don't know, she, she came out of nowhere, uh, and she's very captivating, she's very good. Um, yeah. That's all I have to say. I know we're trying to get through them pretty <laughs> yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so my only solo nom um, is Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor in Terminator Dark Fate. Look, she's playing. Yeah, she's good. She's good. She's playing Sarah Connor. She's old now, and she doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. good. That that's yeah. really all I have to say about it. It's like it's it's truly like from Terminator One to Terminator Two. She's such a hardened, like mm-hmm. stark, different person. And then from Terminator Two to this, it's like even more so, like yeah. dialed up to ten. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's great. I think it's a good legacy role. Yes, um, Mark. Um. Uh, Cody, you finished typing that. Yep. Um, my nominations begin with Scarlett Johansson as Rosie Beltzer from Jojo Rabbit. It's the mom of the kid. I think that, you know, she has two two great performances this year, and it's hard for me to pick which is my favorite. But I think that this is really great. She's the heart of this movie, which to mm-hmm. a large part is about being someone who is believing in the right thing and trying to figure out how to handle your son who thinks he believes in something else. Even though, you know, she has to decide if it's if she wants to kind of tell her son why what he believes is bad, which would out her as being, you know, a Jew sympathizer, a Jew sympathizer, which is like a a crime worth being killed for. 
Um, and if her son doesn't get it, then he will report her. A crime being um, worth killed for in Nazi Germany. Let's be clear. Mark does not yes, think that's a crime. Uh, worth we do not for. endorse yeah. a, a crime. A crime that she would be killed yes, for yes, if yes, it yes. got found out is what I meant by that. We do not um, endorse Nazi Germany policy. Right. But uh, I, I, think I think that's there, a take we so, can have on this podcast. There's just so much pain in her where her husband is gone and she has no one to confide about her true anti-Nazi feelings with because her son is literally dressed in a costume of the people she hates. Right. Um, Good performance. I think that it's such a powerful performance. Um, Also, Zazie Beetz as Sam in High Flying Bird. She plays the assistant of the the main Mm -hmm. agent character. Um, And she, you know, the the movie is kind of all about everyone kind of having their own play and um, trying to arrange things to in the strike, but also be beneficial for themselves. And, And she does a great job of moving from like a... Um, an assistant to, you know, playing her hand right and, and moving up to being an, an agent of her own. Um, she's she is really great, and this this movie is great. Yep. Um. So multiple noms. We have Park Sodam as Kim Ki Jong in Parasite. That is mm-hmm. the daughter slash sister. Um, of the yeah. Kim family. Um, I think. This is an absolutely incredible performance. It it makes sense yeah. that she's become the memed one when she does the Jessica Only Child, mm-hmm. sh- Illinois, Chicago. Yeah. She's she's another one that's just like captivating on the screen. She just like owns the screen, and she just like you're interested. You lean in. She is kind you know? of the best in the movie. Who like you know she you have the poor version of the Kims, and then the working with the family mm-hmm. version of the Kims. Her shift mm-hmm. into that Tudor character is maybe the greatest totally. shift of any of the Kim family, yeah. and I think that's she, why the she, performance is so good. She totally enjoys like being this like person. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's um, awesome. Shuzen Zhao um, as Nai Nai for the farewell. Chad, do you want to talk about this, or yeah. you want me to? Got it. I can I can talk about this one. Yeah, it's just okay. a warm and warm blanket of a performance. Like you just feel comfortable around Nai Nai, but it is you know met with the tragedy of like you know this is goodbye. This is like the end of her life, and she doesn't even know it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like they totally captured the essence of like the warmth that a grandmother. I think it's gives so naturalistic. Her whole family. I think it feels yeah. like a real person. It doesn't really ever feel the, like a act. Her, you know like yeah. it's and this is and this is her like one yep. movie role yeah, ever right yeah yeah that's <laughs> so. kind of why why it's so good <laughs> yeah yeah um next we have florence Pugh as amy march chad and mark said this one mark you want to tackle this one yeah i think you know one thing people talk about the between the book and the movie for little women is the character of amy really moving from this brat of a kid to this really kind of fully developed and, and rich character and i think you know the screenplay is some of that but florence Pugh is also you know this is her breakout year between midsummer this and then of course who could forget fighting with my family yep. um she mm-hmm. really brings a lot of of spunk to this character and makes her feel like a little kid but not in an annoying way right. kind of an endearing way really feels like a little sister in in yeah. the, the the best way but also you she, see her frustration of, you know, wanting to live up to her sister and being excluded. And, you know, I, I think that she is such a, a great character and Florence Pugh is, you know, the, the reason for that. Right. Especially, you yeah. know, she has the line where she's like, I either want to be um, great or nothing. I, I forget. Yeah. Great or nothing. Yeah. Thank you. Um, um, I was like, loved or hated. There's, that, there's that. And then there's also the line of I'm going to make a mold of my foot for Laurie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, 
She's just so funny as a kid. And then so like it's that thing where you like grow up and you're like a little bit embarrassed of the person you you were when you were younger. Mm. Um, I don't know. And it's just it's these two distinct performances. And it's yeah, I I think she's great for all the reasons you said. Uh, Me and Cody also agreed about uh, or do you have something to say about that? Or should I just go ahead and mention Jennifer Lopez Lopez as Ramona Vega in Hustlers. Me and Cody agreed on this one. Um, Cody, why is J-Lo the greatest actor that the world has ever seen? She just <laughs> she just comes in and instantly owns the screen. I, I, I think performances like that that are supporting actresses uh, or actor roles that just, like, the movie focuses on them when they're there. And I, I, I think she grabs it, and I think yes. she she handles being, like, warmth but still kind of screwing people over at times and just being very, like, confident and having a plan but then the falling apart, I think there's a good arc that she kind of goes through with this and i think she's great in it um the it's really a it's like a movie star performance but also like a pop star performance yes. where a lot of a lot of what's great about her is how theatrical she is and how how great of a dancer she is absolutely which i mean everyone knows how great j-lo is of a dancer mm-hmm. um as you saw two weeks ago at the <laughs> super bowl, super bowl. <laughs> Fuck. Something that we have also seen already. <laughs> um, <laughs> then um, our our final multiple nom is Thomas and McKenzie as Elsa Kaur and Jojo Rabbit. She plays the Jewish girl that is hiding in Jojo's house that he has to become friends with. I think she gives the movie its humanity in a similar way that yes. Scarlett Johansson does, yeah. but I think she really does. She, mm-hmm. and, and she also, I mean, we talk about the racism of the movie where this kid is told that Jews have horns and tails mm-hmm. and they eat people. And then it's it's her mm-hmm. humanity that convinces Jojo that, you know, they're and these are real people. But also, you know, I, you see you see the fear in her of being afraid of his kid in like a Nazi uniform. Right. Right. What I love about this role and like the way it was written and the way it was performed is like it's not like she had to be like overly kind to Jojo because she's not. Mm-hmm. She's kind right. of mean to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that he saw like, oh, she's nice. So she deserves to be a human it's she just saw like he saw that like oh she's a human right so she deserves to be a human right. she's like and also a, a living breathing person and that's sees, what gives her her value he sees the humanity in her and the sadness in her because she has this boyfriend in who right. is in paris who she will likely never see again right because he's mm-hmm. probably dead right right um yep. so you, you know he jojo is very mean about that fact at first but he starts to see that it really mm-hmm. hurts her and it hurts her because she's a real person right yeah um uh, and i Mar- think this is the second year we've nominated thomas and mckenzie as well yep, it is i think uh, i nominated her for leave no trace last year yep. mark she's probably my winner oh, yeah, of did. all of them but really any of the the shared nominees i'd be happy for okay so mark saying thomas and mckenzie mm-hmm. chad you um i think uh shuzen zhao as nai nai and the farewell is my number one. I I have some number twos. I would be very happy with. Uh, what you say first. I agree with Susan Zhao. That is who I was leaning towards. Mm-hmm. It's close between her and Park Sudam, but um, I think Susan Zhao is my pick as well. So, Chad, yeah. who's your number two? Uh, probably number two is Florence Pugh. Pew pew. Pew, pew. Um, pew pew. Okay. So okay. So best actress in a no, leading role. Uh, we haven't fully decided here. Yeah, we um, have. We had oh, two for shoes and Zell. M- me and Chad made her number one. Sure. Okay. That's how it then, works. Sure. I'm just like I need to rewatch that movie because it didn't really stick with me very much right. at the time. Yeah. Um, but I didn't gotcha. hate her performance, yeah. so I'm cool with this. Yeah, you should rewatch. Okay. Okay. 
Um, so, best actress in a leading role. I have Samara Weaving as Grace Le Domas in uh, Ready or Not. Um, basically, it's just another one of those charismatic roles that, like, she carries this movie fully. Like, she is the main character who you follow the whole time. And you just, yeah, she just owns the screen. She's great. And, uh, yeah, she's probably, she's the best part of this very, very good movie. Um that's all I have to say about that. Um, my solo best actress nominees for Jesse Buckley as Rose Lynn Harlan. We kind of talked about this when we talked about um, Wild Rose earlier, um, but her performance is kind of what holds the whole movie together. And I think she portrays a character that we had not really seen before. So I think she's really good. My my solo nomination is Beanie. By solo, I mean like I nominate her by myself. I have other nominations. Um, Beanie Feldstein in as Molly Davidson in Booksmart. Um, I, I talked about Booksmart already, and I think you know both of the lead actresses are super important to the how well that movie works, and and her specifically. I mean, I think that you know her her star has been rising since Lady Bird, and she's going to be in Merrily We Roll Along, and she's just a movie star in the making. Um, and I think she's fantastic in Booksmart. So for multiple um, noms, we have Aquafina's Billy Wang in The Farewell. Uh, Chad, you want to talk about that? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, she's very good. We've talked a lot about what is... uh, I mean, sure. Uh, We've talked a lot about why why this movie is special, and it, like, is that, Mm -hmm. you know, tension between wanting to have a meaningful goodbye for your grandmother, but also, like, trying to keep this secret from her. And she carries that weight really, really well. She is this, like, uh, originally, you know... um, She's from a very Eastern-thinking family, but she is Western. a Western person in the United States. Yeah, yeah. And so it's the tension between these like two ideologies and these two ways of thinking falling on this one character. Uh, and she sells it. She's great. Um, then we also have Scarlett Johansson as Nicole Barber in Marriage Story. Mark? Yeah, I mean, so I talked about Scarlett Johansson having two great roles, and this is the other one. Um, you know, all of the actors in this movie are fantastic, um, but she really carries the... The, the love for the other character, Adam Driver, I forgot the character's name. Um, but also, you know, you can really see her, her believe in the fact that she has sacrificed a lot to be with him. And she's also a great mom, and that fight is amazing. But she, you know, it's it's amazing mm-hmm. to see her fight with him so viciously and then immediately turn around and, and be loving to him because she still loves him and cares about him just not yeah in a way that's healthy for her anymore right uh we also have search to yeah. ronan as josephine joe march and little women um mia mark um voted for that one she just i mean search ronan is never bad <laughs> i don't know she, she's playing a character <laughs> who goes through a lot of growth in the movie and she's playing them kind of simultaneously and um you know she she goes through an arc of do I love Lori? Do I not? Do I just want to be on my own? I want to be great as a writer. There's a lot that she's mm. kind of um, kind of showing. Um, next, we have Lupita Nyong'o as Adelaide Wilson slash Red in Us. All three of us voted for this one. Chad, do you want to talk about it? I mean, yeah, it's another one of these things where it's like two distinct performances in mm-hmm. one role. Uh, one of them is one of the most horrifying uh, things I've ever seen with a fun voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one's also great. Like just this, uh, mom with a secret trying to keep her family safe. Um, very primal in both performances, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just so, so good and powerful. 
And probably my number one pick, but we'll get to that. Yep. Um, and then finally, we have Florence Pugh as Danny Ardor in Midsummer. All three of us voted for this one. She's great. Um, Florence Pugh, like we said, she's a star on the rise. And this performance really, mm-hmm. really shows that she's dealing with a lot of grief and dealing with having a shitty boyfriend and is in a situation mm-hmm. that she doesn't understand and is just like absolutely fucking going through it and kind of where she ends up you believe it and it's solely on the back of this performance i think um yeah so it's also a very good performance very good performance but i think i'm sticking to my guns and lupita nyong'o for adelaide slash red is my number one pick what about you mark i would probably go with uh saoirse ronan as joe march okay i Mm -hmm. would go with lupita nyong'o as well um, me and Chad are lining up a lot, um, but there you go. but that's really who I who who I would go with. Yeah, it's like the biggest snub that I was upset about in the Oscars mm-hmm. was that she didn't get a nom, and uh, yeah, we can make up for that here. We can make up for it here. All right, and now let's move on to Best Actor, Chad. Yes. Uh, so number one, um, Adam Sandler as Howard Ratner in Uncut Gems, uh, the Sandman. Yeah, the Sandman. That's, he couldn't get an Oscar nom, but I'm giving him a picky nom. Uh, he is really good in this movie. It feels like a part he was born to play, even though... Did you guys know this part was originally written for Jonah Hill? Like, God. he was originally attached to it? That would have been a different movie. But I heard I think the it, same like, thing about uh, Richard Jewell as well. Wait, really? Yes, that is true. Oh, that is true. He I could see that too. going to be Richard Jewell. Um, anyway, who else, Chad? But yeah, after just a career of like, you know, whatever roles, he's got this one. And that's one of like three good roles in his career. And I think we should reward it. Uh, Andrew Garfield. But, as, but, oh, hold okay, on. Okay, hold okay, on. Okay. Uh, let, uh, let me talk about Zoom, man. Um, th- that's the thing that I think I've been so frustrated with this mm-hmm. award season. And I know, knew Cody being frustrated with something along award season. Right. But th- th- this narrative of like, wow, after so long, he's good again. Meyerwitz stories was two years ago. And I, I mean, think, yes. I think that's a better performance. So it's been a little bit hard for me, uh, but Cody, you're not saying that, but I'm just saying that other Cody, people have been yeah, like, yeah. not since punch drunk love. And I'm like, no, no, no Meyerwitz was very, very good. People slept on Meyerwitz though. People I, never didn't really go see that one. Um, I, I hear what you're good. saying, Cody, but I disagree. Ah, and for that, See, maybe that's why I hate him. this movie is because it's it's given my friends a weapon to be even more annoying honestly, than Cody, normal. The weapon that the, the the person that gave us a weapon was you saying that Jiff annoys me. Yep, that is true. I know. Okay, 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 okay. Andrew Garfield as Sam in Under the Silver Lake. Uh, this movie is a wild mystery, and Andrew Garfield is just the jittery. Uh, nervous guy at the middle of it, and he is just great to watch. I don't know. I like watching this boy be uh, like, shrouded in mystery. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah, paranoid, paranoid, paranoid. There's the, the word. word. That yeah. is that is the word that mm-hmm. I needed. Yeah. Um. So those are my two that I do not have okay. co-signed. So uh, for me, I have Antonio Banderas as Salvador Mall. I may have that last name wrong. Uh, in Pain and Glory, he's basically playing the director of the film. And I just think it's a very good human performance. Very um, somber. He doesn't go huge. He is very somber, very like he's emoting like just in quiet moments. And it's great. It's great. It's great acting. 
Um, next, I've got Brad Pitt as Roy McBride in the Reba Mc. Uh, nah, shit, Martina McBride. That <laughs> was try. I had Reba a joke McIntyre, and I it up. Martina McBride. And Martina you want to take it from the top? <laughs> then I have Brad Pitt as Roy McBride in the Martina McBride biopic playing her father. I don't know. Anyway, no, Brad Pitt as Roy McBride in Ad Astra, a movie that I've talked about a lot already because I love. And Brad Pitt, I think has been great this year and i think this is his best performance of the year i am always um, impressed by solemn men very who, when somber. dealing with their bad fathers uh cry one single tear as they try and struggle to hold all their emotion in it's great i love it um I also have Taron Egerton as Elton John in Rocketman. This is what a biopic is supposed to be, fam. Um, or I don't know. This, this is, is like, closer to what this, it's supposed this is, to be. This is a better version of a biopic. Uh, of a yes. musical biopic, yeah, I sure. guess, is what I should say. Yes, like Especially after seeing Bohemian Rhapsody or anything like that. Um, All right. This uh, is a full-on... Pause. What if there was a musical biopic for someone that was not a musician? That'd be interesting. It Pro- would be interesting. Probably bad, but interesting. Okay. Probably bad. Play. Go on. I'm sh- <laughs> well, I'm sure it's actually happened, right? I mean, okay, so Greatest Showman, it's not a That's accurate true. biopic, yeah, but, it is, but a that is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's probably a couple others that I just can't think of right now. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a. I mean, Les Misérables is like a kind of uh, uh, retelling of like French okay, Revolution. But it's it's fictional. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, all the characters and are. Then, but then, like, Assassins is not a biopic. It's about like seven different characters. So, uh, well, Assassin. okay, Try harder, folks. <laughs> so, um, anyway, it's um, it, it it's just a full on musical with all kind of the weird things that come with musicals. And I love musicals, and Elton John music slaps. And I think Taron gives a really great performance in this, and he can also sing, which is not uh, he can sing. Not bad, yeah. Uh, I, what I really wished he had in this performance was like this, these huge ass teeth uh, in his mouth to make his mouth look silly, right? But also to not sing at all, yeah, and would to, be good. Yeah, that'd be great. Also to to villainize his homosexuality would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wish mm-hmm. that was in this in this movie. Yeah. And if they like kind of barely talked about the fact he was gay, that would also be pretty good. I think. Cody, who was your fourth? <laughs> Remember when we George- were in a hurry? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, it's um, it's George McKay, and I was looking him up to see if he's got any movies on the horizon, and then I found a George McKay from 1937. So is he a time traveler? Uh, George McKay as Lance Corporal Will Schofield in 1917. Um, he basically is the main guy you follow throughout all of it, and there are yeah. just some moments where you really see him sit in the tough situation he's faced. Uh, there's a part in the at the very end of the film, but also in the middle, uh, in the woods, where he's hearing people sing, and it's heartbreaking, and his performance is just very, very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the kind Mark. of performance where, like, he better be good because you are watching him literally the entire the time. The whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Mark, what's up? Uh, so I nominated Matthew Reese for as Lloyd Vogel in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. He plays the per- the perfect foil to um, Mr. Rogers. He's a man who's really bitter and jaded and has a lot of just issues in his life with his family and his his dad and his, his wife and his kid. Um, and I think, you know, that movie doesn't really work unless you see the other side of, of what Mr. Rogers uh, – 
the, the people that need Mr. Rogers the most. And I think that um, he does a, a, an amazing job as that. Um, I also nominated Robert De Niro as Frank Sheeran in The Irishman. Um, as the titular Irishman, I think Sheeran is an Irish name. That makes sense. All right, that checks out. Um, he's <laughs> great. And, uh, I mean, the movie really is is on his back. And, you know, you can critique his, critique his ability to look like a 20-year-old now that he's 70 or whatever. Right. Um, hmm. That's but not I on him he, as much as it is on yeah, it's the a creative decision choice. to do it yes. like that. Um, yeah, but, I, but he really plays the the pain of growing older and having these regrets and and the um you know any the the joys of of being at the top of his game to the the pain uh, of looking at what that I don't know about joys. <laughs> I think he enjoyed being a, a gangster in the middle of yeah the movie. in the beginning. I definitely mm. think he did. Uh, um, okay, I don't so, know. <laughs> so moving on to the, the multiple, I mean, I mean, killing someone is not a joyful thing, but I think he enjoyed being the go-to guy um, yeah. for everyone. He liked feeling important. Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, he he was needed by all of these people, and then he ended up having to turn on those people. But um, I would describe he, his whole life and his performance throughout his whole life as joyless, like you know, thinking that this that that was important to him, but like never feeling like enough and uh yeah joy joy i didn't see in his performance at all but okay but i i think he enjoyed some of his life even though he wasn't anyway the irishman is really good and complex it's very good and complex Um, Uh, on to to multiple noms i will go ahead and mention jonathan price as uh, jorge mario bergoglio aka pope uh, Francis, Francis the first, yes, not the um, first, idiot. I think it's the first. I it's don't not think the, it's first. the first. It's it's the second. Then no, maybe no. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, how anyway, many that's in, talk about it. Um, believe it or not, that's in the two popes, and and me and Chad both nominated him here. Mm-hmm. Um, I he's think the that new pope, pope Francis. He he's the new pope. He's not the new pope in the new pope. No. Um, he is also the younger pope in the in the two popes, but he's also not the young pope. Right, because the uh, young pope is Jude Law, but the new pope is John Malkovich because the young pope has gone into a coma. Mm-hmm. I really want to watch the young pope in the. New I gotta pope. watch that show. It me looks. Too. <laughs> crazy um, insane um, much different than this i did not realize yes. it was about him going into a coma the new pope yes okay cool yes yes um, yes so jonathan price uh as pope francis he to me is just like this this warm feeling of like grace and goodness on the screen but then also like he, he's that character that like doesn't want to be doesn't feel like he can be a leader, but like he is like the obvious choice, you know. Yeah. Um, he has a lot of humility, mm, but also yeah. regret for some of his past actions that it goes into. Although it's not him in the in the flashbacks, he only plays the old. Right. Uh, Those old cowards didn't want to digitally de-age uh, Jonathan oh, Price. Come on. Um, um, but he's really great. I mean, Pope Francis is is a is a, a, a figure in culture. That mm. everyone is, you know, familiar with to some extent. He's and a great pope. I think that he does a really good. Uh, I don't know if it's an impression, but I mean, I guess it technically is an impression, and he does a, a mm-hmm. really great job. Also, speaks in like four languages in this movie, which is really impressive. Yeah, Very and, impressive. and and like for for a movie that is largely two people talking, uh, you know, you leaned so heavily on the performances, and uh, he's one of those two people. So he also like um, was a Lady Gaga song at one point, which is. 
Uh, Abba. Everything went yeah. to Pope. Abba, I'm Abba. sorry. Yeah. Um, so I want to apologize because Mark was correct. He is the first Pope Francis. Oh, shoot. Yeah, bitch. Well, I'm, I'm not Which Catholic. Which is crazy. So. It, it, I mean, it, it just is wild because normally we don't encounter many that are the first. Yeah. So well, I think, it, you know, but. Francis is uh, like St. Francis <laughs> is someone that's big in uh, Catholic history, but not in like the, the core. I mean, I think he's he's grown more in Catholic history in, in the recent centuries or whatever. Right. Um, but also, yeah. I think that, you know, Francis wanted to have a new direction for the church. And part of that was having a new pope name. Yep. I think yeah. so too. Um, next, okay. uh, uh, chat, yeah. yeah. Next, we have Matthew McConaughey as Moon Dog from The Beach Bum, uh, and I haven't seen this movie since like it came out in about February of last year. So it's been about a year mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. But McConaughey's performance, combined with like Harmony Korine's direction, uh, just evokes this sense of like the chillest anxiety uh, I've ever. <laughs> um he is i mean he carries this movie it's it's similar to the it's a very different performance than the george mckay uh performance but it's similar in the way that like the whole movie your your eyes are on him uh and he just has to carry it and just be this like spirit of chaos uh and chill that carries the movie in uh it's true yeah i watched this movie more recently it's on hulu if you want to watch it now um, and I think that, I mean, Chad Dryden, his, his performance really carries this movie. Um, but you, you really see, um, you know, him, him wanting to avoid all of this weird stuff going on in his life. Um, well, I don't know about that. What do you mean? He doesn't want to avoid any of it. He's causing all of it. I, I think he is, he is causing it, but he is like kind of uncaring about the fact that he's causing it. And, yeah, yeah. And then I I don't like this movie. Anyway, <laughs> I like this movie a, a a lot. I guess. Yeah. Um, I definitely do. And I I think that he is really the 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 core of the movie. And and it's interesting because the movie is at once painting it from his perspective while also showing uh what his perspective is doing to people that he loves. Yeah, I mean, um, he's just like a wrecking ball coming to destroy everyone in his life. But at the same uh, time, he he is not feeling the the pain of his. No, he gets uh, out, you know, scot free, scot free. Yeah. Yep. Um, which is what I don't enjoy about it. I, but I think I, it, I think it, the movie does a good enough job to show the pain he's causing, even if he's not causing pain to himself. Because like the world, daughter, are, the world around <laughs> him is like uh, encouraging we can debate him this during the movie part. The, yeah. yeah, but the, the the world around him is basically just like encouraging him and supporting him to like. Uh, Continue yeah. to behave this sh- shittily. Uh, so, yeah, there's kind of blame on everybody in this movie. Uh, we'll talk about it more during the movie yeah, part, but, but I, I don't I don't think it's successful in that at all. Cody. The performance, I think, is interesting. Mm-hmm. I think we've kind of seen Matthew McConaughey do a similar thing before, so I think that's why I was this, not that impressed This feels like it. the full realization of his entire career yeah. before it. That, uh, that, that may be fair. Yeah. This, this feels like him in real life maybe a little bit. Not quite. He's <laughs> I, a lot more normal, but... I think it's it's just you know turning him up to like fifteen. On a it, it's him 10. ten years ago when he got arrested for playing bongos on the beach naked. Yeah. You know, th- like that's that's the yeah. McConaughey. Uh, so our final nomination is for Adam Driver as Charlie Barber in Marriage Story. All three of us voted for this one. Um, I think this is an incredibly 
great performance. I think it's another very like human performance. Um, it's not as showy, um, even though there are some big showcase moments. But like, there's a reason why Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker is going to win the Oscar this year, mm-hmm. and Adam Driver isn't. Even though I do think this is a far superior performance. Definitely. Um, but you just really see the pain as he goes through the whole thing and him him being an asshole at points but at the same time still kind of trying to do the best for his kid and still loving his wife slash ex-wife even when he is an asshole and you know it's been much talked about but the moment where he sings is maybe the most i've gotten chills watching Mm -hmm. anything in a movie this year um yeah it's incredible i think it's a great performance no it really is and it 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 is those big moments that he kills like the fight scene and it's also just Mm -hmm. like those little like the little irritations of like his kid doesn't want to like hang out with him even though he traveled three thousand miles to see his kid yep yeah and just like the little the the little jabs uh, they're just so good um, and when he has to interact with like the so it's not a social worker but whoever it is yeah it's that a he social worker with. yeah is it yeah. I think yeah 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 okay I mean that uh, how nervous he is there just like the new world of like lawyers and like bringing them in yeah it, every I, I the, love this movie and I love this performance yeah. the, the moment with it's Arkin right it's not Alda in this movie yes it's Arkin. Uh, the moment with Alan Arkin as his former lawyer. No, I think it is. It's all the. It is all the. Yeah, that's yeah. not Alan Arkin. <laughs> Mark and I both fuck up both of them all the time. Um, but but the moment where like that was his former lawyer and he got him because he was nice and mm-hmm. that sort of thing and then uh, Alan Alda's like telling him a joke or whatever and you could just see the impatience boiling yeah. over. He says like, like, "Am I being charged for this joke?" Yeah. Like it's uh, it's so good. All right, so let's vote, Mark. Who is your best actor pick? Um, your number one. My number one is probably Matthew Reese. Uh, even though I know that you guys aren't going to back that up, so I have number twos. But I'll let you guys go first. Yeah, we'll go first, Chad. Um, hmm. My number one. I uh, yeah, I feel like it is Adam Driver is my number one. Okay, it is also my number one. I, Not to keep agreeing with Chad, but it just—he's probably my tied number for one. number two for me, tied oh, yeah. with uh, Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price would yeah. have been my number two, and it was like really close between the two of them. But ultimately, yeah, I think just as much uh-huh. as I loved Marriage Story, it's my favorite movie of the year, and like, yeah, that performance yep. rules in it. So we're moving on to Best Director. Yes. Cool. Uh, my first uh, nomination is for the Safties uh, in Uncut Gems. Um, yeah, this movie, much like the Beach Bum, is just uh, actively trying to give the audience anxiety and um, largely succeeding in uh, in both cases. Um, I'm nominating both. I'll talk about both. I guess I don't know. No, I'll just talk about Uncut Gems. Ugh, okay. Um, yeah, all the talking over each other, all the, it just is like the Safties have figured out the perfect formula of like making you feel overwhelmed. Like the world is falling apart around you and, uh, there is no hope. Um, and, uh, you got to commend like that perfect vision being executed. 
um, mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I also have Harmony Kareen for the Beach Bum. Similarly, uh, it's anxiety inducing, but very different. It's like also got this like really chill like uh, surface level if you like just tune in for like a few seconds it may seem like a chill like stoner comedy whatever um but this movie like it feels when watching it like you are not sober like you're like drunk and you're like out with friends and you're just like barely processing things that are happening because it's just like so rapid fire the way it like cuts from one thing to the next and there will be like one conversation that like hops between two different scenes, yeah. Um, and just like dialogue it's, playing over like a montage. Um, it's intentionally disorienting in that way. Um, yeah, I mean, th- there's decisions where like, yeah, the same conversation is happening, but they're filming it two different ways. Yeah, which is a stylistic choice. I didn't enjoy it. I really I, feel like it serves this movie and the vision for this movie really well. Um, I, I think it may be, I love Spring Breakers so much, and I just mm-hmm. think everything this movie is doing, Spring Breakers does way better. I like Spring Breakers okay, and I think that this movie does things better. But that's opinions. They're different. I think that this movie and Spring Breakers are really similar, but mm-hmm. yeah, slightly different because Spring Breakers is more about people entering this world, whereas right. this movie is about like someone who is like, in the middle of this movie is like about James Franco in spring breakers instead of like about people who are like, right. You know, looking right. at from the outside, this is more about looking from the inside, which I personally find to be the much better choice because I think spring breakers does a better job at pointing out the shit's fucked up than beach. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like anybody we watching the beach have disagreed on this movie before, but I, that like I w- walked out of it saying, fuck this. <laughs> Moondog is both like he's this this vision of like I'd love to be as chill as him but then like holy shit I don't want that life because it stresses me out so much it's like okay but okay spoilers for Beach Bum he fucking wins like the the Pulitzer Pulitzer. yeah Yeah. this movie is not holding anybody accountable no well that's the thing it does not do a good job that's what I like about this movie is like we don't hold our celebrities accountable they act like pieces of shit and we like reward them. Look at the fucking Joaquin Phoenix who's gonna win his Oscar even though he treated people like shit on set. Like we do this, and that's what this movie is about. Well. <laughs> Spoilers again, but our celebrities don't fucking lead to their wife dying. Like the all the Isla Fisher shit Some sucks of them in this do, movie. To me. Though. <laughs> oh, well, Natalie would, I guess, but it's yeah. Um, but like, it just—I think the Isla Fisher stuff in this movie fucking sucks. I think it, this movie doesn't really hold accountable. All of all of the women in this movie are uh, just—I think that I, it's, hate. I, I think that like it's it. very clear that her daughter does not like that. That his daughter does not like him, and. Try and, and you know they do so much to try to get him back on the right track, and mm. it just he just refuses to to fix himself. I mean, um, we we we've had conversations about this before, but like, I I don't think the director actually has like 
that fucked up of a viewpoint on things because I have seen Spring Breakers. Yeah. But if this was the only movie that I had seen, I probably would have written Harmony Corinne off forever. Well, I think that there it's are just, people... I just don't enjoy I mean, it. there were people in Spring Breakers with us who did not understand that it was like a satire, satire. kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. that the same thing could happen here. Um, it is. I just think it doesn't tip its hand enough to make the satire obvious for me. I don't know. It just feels like a straight representation rather than anything else. Anyway, I, I guess we won't talk about it much when we get to the film uh, part. Chad, you, kinda... all, you, you skipped one of your... Yeah, I did. Novels. So Chad Stahelski for um, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum is my third nominee. Um, this movie, along with the other two John Wicks, but I think even more so in this one, is just some of the... It's the best hand-to-hand combat I've ever seen in movies. Um all the action core, and this is like a stunt guy. Chad Stahelski came from like being uh, Keanu Reeves' stuntman in The Matrix to like being a right. stunt coordinator to now he's directing action movies and he's doing a damn good job at it. Um, but the choreography of the uh, fights, um, particularly like this one scene with these dogs where it's just these long takes and these uh, fight sequences, and then these dogs like run in perfectly timed to like tackle someone to the ground. It's insane. It's exciting. Uh, no movie has evoked like me screaming woo at the top of my lungs like this movie this year. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's just adrenaline. It's just, again, it's just one of those visions that I think is just like perfectly fulfilled on the screen. Uh, I like the knife fight a lot. That's, the knife fight <laughs> rules down to like the axe throwing at the end. Yeah. Oh my I, God. Chad, I need you to trust me. Yeah. You need to watch the Fast and Furious movies. I, I know you're going to be hesitant yeah, because no, of I'm some going of the to, early ones, but the, I'm the, the going hand-to-hand because of, combat stuff yeah. later is really fucking good that surprises me that it's the hand-to-hand combat and not like the big action set pieces i mean well the big action set pieces also rule Mm. but there is a there i think it's an eight but there's a fight scene where um jason statham is on a plane fighting people on the plane while protecting a baby carrier and he's like fighting people and like shooting and like all kinds of stuff with a baby it's incredible good but it sounds like very different than like why i like the john wick action so much it's not as realistic as john wick action but it's still like crazy fun action stuff yeah it does sound like a lot of fun i'm gonna watch them this ninth trailer i'm just like i, I guess i gotta i guess i gotta John join Cena, the family i gotta join the family yeah join the family join the family, join the family. Chad. Right. come on in there, um, there's plenty of room cody why don't you um, talk about your noms for uh yeah so director? so my first nom is lulu wang for the farewell i think um again chad mentioned a lot about people sticking to their specific visions and i think um this is an example of someone who did that this is something that happened to lulu wang um, and so she is telling her story, but she is also using other people as a conduit to do so. Um, and just hearing stories of her kind of sticking to her guns of like, she could have sold it to Netflix and she doesn't shame anybody who sent it to Netflix, but she knew for this movie, for anyone to see it, it had to be released in theaters. She knew that she had to stick to a high majority of it being, um, uh, in Chinese or in Mandarin, like spoken Mm -hmm. in Mandarin. Um, She also like, 
at, at one point studios wanted the wedding to be her wedding that she was fake putting on. And she was like, no, but that's not the story that I'm trying to tell. I'm trying to tell the story of the Americanized person coming mm. back through all of this. And I just, I, I think it's gorgeous. I think the way that the movie kind of unfolds is pitch perfect. I just, I think it's great from top to bottom. Yeah. Um, and then my second, which we've talked about a lot already, um, is James Gray um, for Ad Astra. I've already talked about why I like this movie a lot. I talked a lot about it in the script section, but the direction also is a good part of it. The, I mean, I've never seen Space Pirates on the Moon before, and that <laughs> scene is incredible. Mm-hmm. I think how James Gray tells the story and doles out the information and how he chooses to frame things is Incredible. So, James Graham. My uh, solo novels for Best Director include Muriel Heller for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, I think that movie is just so empathetic, and a lot of a lot of that comes from how she chooses to shoot it and, and uh, how she, you know, plays all of these, you know, intertwines all of these storylines to make them connect and, and feel natural. Um, well, I think now would be the time to talk about the choice, too, of how the movie is framed. We've not mentioned that when yeah, talking about this yeah. before. I mean, well, that maybe should have come up when the best actor was not Mr. Rogers, even though it's known as the Mr. Rogers movie. It's not a, about him as much as it's about mm-hmm. the effect that he has. And it's about a, a journalist who is like a hot takedown journalist who is like usually goes and ruins people's reputation. Right. But then Just also... Being, like being a, sorry, being astounded by how yeah. um, he can't do that to Mister Rogers, and how Mister Rogers is actually going to change his perspective on life and love. Right, but also I was just talking the, about the yeah, literal the framing, device. framing. Yeah, so of it being the of it being a Mister Rogers episode at the beginning, and how it like recreated. Oh sure, all of mm-hmm. that stuff, and then every transition of the movie yeah. was the like mm-hmm. small stop motion cars like traveling, mm-hmm. like all it, those choices. It made are. the whole thing just like carry this like heartwarming like thread through. I really like those choices, and then having there be like that nightmare sequence of like the uh mr he, rabbit he's in yeah he's, he's old in rabbit. the town yeah 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 i loved um, all that and stuff. also just just having shots on set while they're shooting the show and being able to mm. see mr rogers behind the set doing the puppets yeah. is, is mm-hmm. so great watching yep. him interact with like a uh, film crew in his you know just gentle and patient way it's just so opposite from any like production I've ever seen uh, where mm. everyone is just like snappy and impatient and just like ready to get the shots done. And he's just like, let's just take a look at that and watch it. I'm like, I, I yeah. like it. I think that that's good. Just it. He was too good for this world. And uh, he's yeah. he's so great. I remember watching a candid camera episode with him before where like and, and like they didn't even mean for it to be him on it. They just like had this hotel room where there was no TV. And everyone was like, "What? There's no TV. How am I gonna watch TV?" But he was like, "Oh, it's okay. I don't, I don't need a TV." And they're like, "You're on candy camera." And he's like, "Oh, that's fun. I like that. <laughs> well, hi there, everyone. It's just he's so kind, even when they're trying to like prank him. He's like, "Oh, right. well, that's a fun concept for a show." Um, right. Uh, right. I also nominated uh, Greta Gerwig for Little Women. We've talked about this a lot, um, yeah. but just the. I, there's just so much emotion in this and a lot of that just comes from the directing and she gets all the actors on the same page and 
you know, the way that she flips between storylines without having to, like, put a time card on on the screen or let you know that the storylines are changing. It's, like, immediately obvious just by setting and style and mm-hmm. even just, like... Visual, the, right? She, the the visual color of graded it. different? Yeah, it feels... Sometimes. The present day... I say present day. The, like, future feels, like, a little cooler color-wise. Yes. And then it's, like, happier and, it's and warmer, warmer in, the, yeah. in the past when everyone was, like, together and happy. Um, yep. But yeah, yeah, you you fully know where you are every frame of this movie. Um, uh, I also nominated Steven Soderbergh um, for High Flying to. Bird because he's my boy, and I was not going right. to nominate him for the laundromat. He was such a good director; couldn't he have gotten a better camera than a fucking iPhone? Well, it's all he could <laughs> afford, and well, uh, did pretty well with it. Yeah, especially because he did get a full camera for the laundromat, and it did not help that movie at all. <laughs> Um, but I, I think, you know, choosing to use a camera, the movie is about using social media to empower mm-hmm. the the people who are um, out of power. And I right. think, you know, this movie is so smart in all of the ways it's saying and the thing it's saying about basketball, but at the same time saying about the film industry is, is yep. really great and uh, insightful. I really well, need to rewatch it. I loved it when I watched it. It's so good. It's yep. written by the guy who wrote Moonlight as well, which is crazy to me. Right. Um. And then my final solo nom is Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. I mean, we've talked about it a thousand times, right. um, but it is so good. It's just the perfect mystery. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Very well constructed, pitch perfect, and looks like, great. Down to like color palette, yeah, production design choices, and like, yeah, every detail of that movie is is the perfect choice. Yep, uh, so the jellical do- choice. Jesus, let's do uh, the, our multiple nominations. So we have Lorraine. Scrafaria for Hustlers. Mark, you want to talk about this? Yeah, I mean, Hustlers, I was talking about Hustlers with, like, a guy who was cutting my hair yesterday, because we were just like, <laughs> J-Lo, man, so great. Um, we, we were talking about the Super we Bowl. We loved her how... Super Bowl that we definitely have watched yeah. and aren't going to see six hours from now, you know? Yeah, she Absolutely. and uh, Shakira. Shakira. Shakira were so good. Could you believe and that, that special guest? That special guest? That special I guest, can't... though. Could you believe I that Sonic believe trailer? That... He went fast in that trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it when the team won. Oh, uh, yeah. The... Can you believe that they shot a new uh, a new Mr. Peanut ad in, like, the week between <laughs> deciding not to air the old one? It's <laughs> yeah, crazy. Honestly. Um, uh, all right. So, sorry. Yeah. Hustlers. <laughs> I, I think, you know, it's it's – I think there are a lot of movies. This could easily be, like, a Goodfellas kind of ripoff. Mm-hmm. or, you know, any kind of, like, basic crime movie, but she brings so much energy to it and brings so much life between all of the dancers um, and, and gives them so much heart when they could also be, you know, just bad guys who were robbing from people. Right. Um, I, I think the choice is to, like, the, the Christmas scene, to show them all mm-hmm. being, like, a family, like, that I think is... A lot of people complain that that slows the movie down. I think it's a great moment. And I also think you can't argue best director when the film has a scene where JLo is walking to go get money as Royals by Lord plays to show you a very specific year and then the, the money flying out of her hands like incredi- it's incredible incredible like a, a good short film by itself uh next we have Sam Mendez for 1917 Chad yeah, you want to yeah, take yeah. this one uh yeah I can take this one I mean Sam Mendez took this story and took this movie and he decided it was all gonna fit be filmed in one shot 
uh, which yep. feels like the right choice. It doesn't feel gimmicky to me. Um, I, that's sort of been the criticism of this movie is like it's all spectacle, all gimmick, and no substance. And I don't. Hey, you know what? It, buy what is that gimmicks at all? Movies. <laughs> <laughs> movies existing as a gimmick. Yeah, these you Fully. have to remember these are pictures that are shown close together and with the soundtrack to make you think that it's happening in front of you. Yeah, That's a gimmick it's, right there. It's also like, <laughs> hey, what if we told a story? Okay, but our gimmick is going to be that it is filmed, <laughs> you know, right. like at a very so, base level. So, I don't I don't buy that criticism at all. Um I, right. it feels like the right choice to like fully put you in the head of these soldiers on this very dangerous mission in this war. Um and it, it yeah, the, the the way it's all put together, it's just it's just successful at every turn. Um, yeah, yeah, that's about it. Uh, and then, so finally, we have Bong Joon Ho for Parasite. Um, here's the thing. To me, this is a perfect movie. <laughs> so, and and I think a lot of that comes down to how the director decides to tell the story, how to frame it, etc. This movie is perfect at ramping t- tension and knows exactly when to reveal things. Um, yes. It just is utterly engaging the whole way through the... And then there's just these horrifying compositions. Like, there's that, that shot of, like, the when the child saw the ghost in the stairs and it was the... Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my yes. gosh. <laughs> Bone, like, so chilling. Good. <laughs> So Ugh. good. It also the just has amazing where set design mm-hmm. in in all so. of the sets. Their home, the the rich family's home, the basement. Mm-hmm. Which um, I've every... seen a lot of like the the storyboards being shared on like uh, on Twitter, um, mm-hmm. and fully like the the production designer has like talked about how specifically. Like he had envisioned, like the apartment and like the toilet being up on the thing. Oh, they built they, the like, house. They yeah. built all of that, which yeah. is like like he had incredible. fully envisioned that, and it's just like the perfect setting to like show where they're at in poverty. Right. Um, I, having the toilet I, I, like up on that thing is just such a incredible. Bad... And that that opening scene is so good. Yeah, the looking um, for Wi-Fi where they're trying to get Wi-Fi. Yeah. But I think um, I, I saw this article that was like what. Um, what scene should they show from each each best picture nominee to kind of uh, tell you about this movie? And the one they chose for Parasite was the one where they're hiding under the table as the rich family comes in. And I agree that that is, that's a perfect scene. That scene is so tension filled the Mm -hmm. whole time Mm -hmm. and it goes on for a while, but doesn't feel like it's dragged out. It just is like, this movie is a perfect object to me Mm -hmm. like i i think there's great movies every year and there's like one or two and like when i say perfect no movie is perfect but i have one or two movies a year that i think kind of fall into the perfect category for me right um this is it with a bullet Uh, this movie blew me away i think this is a movie you can show people who don't necessarily love subtitled movies and i think they would be vastly engaged the whole way through Oh yeah, I mean it's not boring. No part of no, this drag. Even, even, even when things aren't like thrilling, they're funny. Like this movie right, is like right. very funny. Throughout. It handles tone perfectly. I yeah. think. I, mean, I don't know. I just have it, seen it takes people... you from like being nervous that they're gonna get caught lying to like getting caught up in like a murder, and it just like right. 
So you're you're like slowly growing more and more nervous, and like you don't even realize right. it till the end when your heart's just like racing, and you're just like yeah. they're all gonna die. But I, I, I've seen people describe it like this is our chance to award someone's Pulp Fiction. Like this is someone's arguably maybe their masterpiece mm, and yeah. like it's kind of our chance because i've seen other bong joo ho movies and i like them mm-hmm. i like snowpiercer a lot i like okja but this is just like next level yeah to me so now we get to vote my vote is pretty clear mm-hmm. it's bong joo ho uh mark you gotta i'm happy vote. with with seconding bong joon ho my my f- first pick is probably greta gerwig um mm. but i'm happy to nominate bong joon ho um yeah, I'll third it. I, I think this conversation um, has swayed me. I think I was probably going to say the Safties or maybe even Kareen, but uh, mm-hmm. but just literally this conversation of talking about why Parasite is so effective has like swayed me like, nah, it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good flick. Yeah, it truly is. All right, so we're down um, to the, the picky award. We are, we are. And here's the thing. We've talked about all of these movies a lot, so I don't think we yeah. really need to dive in. So let's just kind of do the list. Um, so Chad, so sure. your solo nom. Yeah, I have nominated uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hold uh, on, let's pause for a second. Okay, <laughs> We're not going to talk about the movies, but we can pause to talk about other things. Sure. What other show would have only one person nominating Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a movie that is like... Uh, very high nominated for yeah this this year was great for movies was kind of why mm-hmm. i stopped to bring that up is like no it truly is so like good. i yeah i mean i love 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 this movie um and i've been going back and forth in my head if this is my favorite movie or if marriage story is lately so basically the the four-year consideration ad for once upon a time in hollywood when that's been playing, it, this got me so freaking pumped, and I'm like, "Yes, this movie is so good." The, See, I think their campaign is annoying, but I've only seen the graphics. Oh, the, okay. The because you love movies. One. Yeah, but like okay. the way love- the way it's like presented in the the for your consideration commercial is just like because I forget what all of them are. It's like because this, because that, because this, and then the last one is yeah. because you love movies. Once I mean, it's effective. It's, it's so effective. I mean, it's a smart <laughs> campaign. It's a very yeah. smart campaign. It just reminded me of everything I loved about this movie, like which is like the tone, the vibe, the the total feeling of like okay, being in the going, past. Because <laughs> we've talked about it already. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really good. I love this okay. movie. Uncut Gems, again, anxiety, uh, and uh-huh. the world is falling apart, and yeah. all those reasons we said before. The Beach Bum, anxiety. <laughs> Under the Silver mm-hmm. Lake. Anxiety. Anxiety. <laughs> I like okay. movies that just make you feel uncomfortable. I've, I've come to learn. Yeah, I, I think you do. Yeah. Um, okay, so my Solanoms Ad Astro. What if you found your dad and he told you to fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> Toy Story 4, trying to find purpose. Us. What if you found yourself and yourself told you to fuck off? <laughs> uh, yep, those are my noms. Mark? Um, so my noms are Little Women. What if family was good? Yep. Um, book smart. What if friends were good? Good. <laughs> Irishman. Yeah. What if you are bad? <laughs> um, <laughs> hustlers. What if being bad is a little good? Um, and and the two popes. What if being good is sometimes kind of bad, but yeah. at the end it's kind of good. It's kind of good. Yeah. Oh, but what is good. it? Okay. What does it mean to be good? Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. Okay, look, I know we've talked about the two popes a lot, but I do just want to talk about the one thing we haven't talked about is the scene where Jonathan Price is talking to Anthony Hopkins and is talking about, like, you know, I believe we are constantly seeking God, finding him is on the journey. And then Anthony Hopkins is like, I think I'll walk over there. Maybe I'll find God on my way. (laughs) Like, he's just making fun of him. Like, yeah, uh, so good. I Um, think that movie is, is the perfect lesson in how to talk to people that you disagree with. And, like, mm-hmm. fundamentally disagree with, but still right. give them respect and respect listen to their... Yeah. And, like, learning from each other. Yeah. 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 I agree. Uh, so, multiple noms. Let's round robin this, I guess. Uh, we have The Farewell. Oh, Mark, no. No, no caption there? I thought you were going to say, Oh, like, yeah. I guess, yeah, we're supposed to talk about it. Uh, yeah. Okay. The Farewell. Grandmas, we love them. Uh, 1917. War. We hate it. <laughs> <laughs> a, a beautiful day in the neighborhood family i guess you have to love them mm. Mm. knives out family do you have to love them <laughs> uh i didn't no, know hey, hustlers so like mark you take this i one. also already talked about hustlers just do just, it just again do, just do. hustlers again what if being bad is sometimes <laughs> a little good okay uh, um, we've got avengers endgame which we haven't talked about a movie we have podcast. not talked about um, I guess we haven't talked. Yeah, this, yes, we did. We talked about Mark Ruffalo. Okay, that yeah. Was, and Mark oh, and screenplay. Really. I talked about adapted yeah, screenplay we, too. So we've talked yeah, about we've this. Talked so about Avengers, but, uh, Avengers Endgame. What if uh, I don't know? You fucked up the entire world and you got to fix it. <laughs> Avengers um, Endgame. What if you wrap up a twenty movie series perfectly? Perfectly. Yeah, Mark, you take this. Well, you say wrap Marriage up, story. but it's. We got a new it's one two ongoing, months later. But, but, but yeah, you know. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, marriage story, what if being married is bad? Right. But pa- you still love each other. Right. Being a uh, parasite, what if being rich is bad? <laughs> what if? Huh. Wow, I never thought about that one. <laughs> yeah, so those, those, those is, are uh, movies. And is that's the all messaging you need to in Parasite that being rich is bad or being poor is bad? A, a bit of both. both. It, it, it's just like class <laughs> dynamics. No, I, I, I don't, like I, yeah. obviously, like the closer they got to being rich, the more corrupt they got, and yeah, that that, that right. messaging is obvious. I was. I mean, it's it's almost like mostly joking. Making each movie four words kind of <laughs> loses a lot of the nuances. Kind of. Did all these movies <laughs> suck? The all these movies sound like they suck. <laughs> no, no, they all sound good. No, they do. Um, they are all okay. All of these movies are very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only really disagree with one on this overall list, and it is Beach Bum. Um, mm. But the rest, I would say, are easily within my top 30 movies. I can't remember where everything falls, but, I mean, this is a long list. Um, and, I mean, Chad and I have already talked about the Beach Bum a lot and why I don't like it. That's the yeah. only one that falls out for me. The rest of them, yes, and, all are in my And top. I see Hustlers as good, not great. Right, but um, yes, and I see Under the Silver it. Lake. Under the Silver Lake is a movie that I really liked when I first saw it, and then on a rewatch, I was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Interesting. Um, but also on a rewatch, mm. I had to pause it every fifteen minutes to let it buffer, so that hurts. Yeah, that doesn't yep. uh, do a movie any no. favors, especially with that movie that is as disjointed as it is already. Right, um, you can't really get into the yeah. flow of it. So, right. uh, want me to go first? Yeah, fuck it. 
Okay, I feel like we're going to argue a lot because... Sure, yeah. Uh, I this think, episode's already going long, Yeah, I, tr- I, I truly think my number one choice is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that that movie okay. is just so well-rounded in a way that, like, I love, 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 love Marriage Story, but it's kind of doing, like, two things really, 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 really good, whereas Once Upon a Time mm-hmm. is Hollywood is doing more things good. Not to shit on Marriage Story. It probably is right. my favorite movie of the year. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I feel like is the better movie. But that's not that's not how Picky's work. Picky's yeah. heart, remember? I mean, but like that is also what my heart is telling me. I don't know. I'm, I'm so conflicted between the two. Uh, I like that movie well enough. Once Upon a Time? The well-rounded thing, yes. Yeah. The well-rounded thing is what loses me. Because I just don't enjoy the end very much at all. Um, mm. And I think it kind of flips what the point of the movie had been up until that point. But we'll get into the nitty gritty in a minute. Mark, what is your, I mean, I know your pick, but go for it. Um, Do you? Uh, probably A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah, I do. Um, but also, <laughs> I mean, if we're going to go ahead and t- throw out one that is almost tying it, Little Women for me probably is like okay. a really close number two. All right. This is going to be hard. This is going to be hard. I will My, say, tying into what Chad said, Marriage Story is probably a close number three as well. Um, so for me, Parasite is number one, easily. I love that movie. I think it's perfect. Yeah. So none of us agree. So yeah. now our our preferential ballot. I don't even know how this is going to work. Cody, give us, a, give us a two and three. Me and Chad listed some some. Right. My number picks. two is... Knives Out. Okay. Okay. Um, I believe. And what is my number three? I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to look at my list. All right, the so, Farewell is my number three. Mm. Okay. So let's look at these movies we've said so far. Once Upon a Time, uh, Marriage Story has been mentioned. Mark, you said Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And, and Little Women. Little Women. Cody um, is Parasite. Parasite, Knives Out. Um, and what was the last one you just said? Farewell. 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 I guess what we need to do is talk about what we wouldn't be mad about winning. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Okay, hold on. This. So we need to think about how we do the show. Yeah. The way we do our show typically is we each... Just pick our favorite. Yeah. And then we've got to figure out from there. So, okay. th- I mean, that that's what we got to sure. do. So, okay. it's, 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 what did you say, Mark? A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Parasite. So, if we knew what one best picture, we would throw that one in there, but we don't. So, now, uh, uh, Cody, you basically have to choose between Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Okay, so of those two, I think I like A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood more. Gotcha. And now I need to pick between A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and... Parasite. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, I choose Parasite. Mm-hmm. And I would Mark. probably pick Parasite over Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, it's, it's a, yeah, I guess it's Parasite. Parasite wins it's Parasite. the most. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Easy enough once we've figured sure. out our system. Well, once we have a system. Uh, <laughs> it's not a system we've literally ever used before. Well, we no, usually I mean, just do it like how our week show. to week. We like pit right, right, right. It's not yeah, all yeah, at yeah. once like this. Like it's, right, it's crazy. But but it's still the same central idea, yeah. which is what I was trying to guess yeah. to. Um, cool, 
Um, so Parasite's the best picture think, winner, and it might yeah, be also have won the Oscar uh, last week. Who it knows? Very well could have. Or and yesterday. If they did, right. And if it did, good job, Oscars. You did it this time. Yeah. We're going to have to have um, a different uh, miniseries when we catch back up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, do we remember what won our best movie last year? That... <laughs> I don't, because we no we all we did was come up with the nominees and then our audience picked the best picture. Uh, oh, last we year. let people vote. Yeah, so I don't, this is the first time we've yeah. done the whole thing. Yeah. That's right. I don't remember what won. I don't. <laughs> who knows? It wasn't. Can, hmm. It wasn't my favorite movie of the last year. That, that's what I seem to recall. Was it Spider Man into the Spider Verse? Uh, that would have been a good pick, I but think I it don't think been. it was. I think it might have been. No, you're right. I think it may have. Yeah. I just saw Chad's animals fuck each other up in the background of his video. I'm just looking at my yeah. personal top five, and I think that's the one that are that would have been the consensus, consensus choice. I think you are probably right. I'm trying to find my 2018 list. This is so interesting to everyone. I think A Star is Born was probably also up there. A Star is Born was my favorite, but I don't think that's what hey, won. And Paddington uh, 2 did not win. Guys, this episode is three hours long. <laughs> that sounds right. That sounds right. Um, okay, so let's wrap it up. Um, yes. You know, um, here's what we're going to do. You guys tell me where people can find you on social media mm-hmm. and one movie you're excited for for 2020. Let's look to Oof. the future. God damn it! I know you what can Chad's find gonna me. say. Chad, you go first. Um, oh, oh d- he does doesn't doesn't Wes Anderson have a movie coming out this oh, year? Yeah, the French does. Dispatch or Dispatch. something? Yeah. I thought you were gonna say Sonic. Uh, oh, I am excited about Sonic, <laughs> but no, I'm more excited about the French Dispatch. Uh, even though I don't know really anything about it other than the cast. Um, and you can find me on social media at Chad A. Oliver. I'm now on Bite uh, and TikTok. We'll see how long bite lasts. We will see. <laughs> Not long. About Never as long as Vine 2, probably. You can find me anywhere at Wellington Mark. Um, and I'm really excited for Tenet, so believe it or not. That'll be a, that'll be one we talk about for sure. For oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. uh, you can find me at Cody Lunsford underscore on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at Cody Lunsford on um letterbox um you can find me at linkedin.com cody dash lutzford um uh you can find the show at we pick picks w-e-p-i-c-k-p-i-c-s on twitter and instagram um and i think the movie that i am excited most for in 2020 since mark said tenet which was definitely my choice um nightmare alley is not coming out this year is it that's 2021 the Del Toro one. Um, Cody, me yeah. and Chad have both said movies by our favorite directors. And your favorite oh, director fuck. has... Yeah, West Side Story from yeah, Steven yeah. Spielberg. <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right, thanks everybody for listening. Chad, what's the best movie of 2019? Parasite. And I'm, you know what? I'm damn proud of that. Uh, yeah. Mark, what is the best movie of 2019? Uh, there's two of them and they're a Parasite. Um, uh, Cody... Fuck. How did you like that joke? And also, what's the best movie of 2019? Uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the best movie of 2019 is uh, Parasite. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, watch out for peaches.
Next week, we will be talking about the year 2004, starting with my pick, Shaun of the Dead. It's a zombie movie. You can find it on Stars or rent it wherever you rent things. Cool. Cool. Um, 